2: dialogue. We'll see.
0: <laughs> Just a bunch of floating ads in Packers gear right now.
2: Yep, that's what we're doing. All right, right, go ahead. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics. It is a Friday night version this week. Uh, our first episode with Simon and Bryant. Welcome, guys. We're very excited to welcome you on as part of the team uh, very excited for you guys to bring your knowledge and everything that you know about Green Bay Packers and your love and passion um, this week's episode is we have a we have a bunch of stuff on deck here first uh, we actually wrote a blog about two players that we're excited for going into the season we all picked two players uh, one offense one defense uh, we have one storyline we all picked we have two things people are talking about and two things to look at outside of the box score so Couple interesting topics. Uh, I'm really excited to get going. I've been thinking about this for a long, long time, and I designated Simon to get us started. So, Simon, who's your offensive player that you are excited for? All right.
3: So I kind of have a theme for both my guys. So when we get to uh, to the defense, he will probably probably pick up on it. Uh, so I picked David Bakhtiari. It's it's hard not to be excited over getting an All Pro,
1: five time
3: All Pro left tackle. Uh, two first team selections, three second team selections back in the mix uh, and protecting Rogers blind side. Um, so going back to 2020, which is uh, the last time we saw Dave Bakhtiari play uh, full season before injuring him his ACL in New Year's uh, before those playoffs. Uh, he had a, he had an outstanding year, outstanding year. Uh, so 2020, uh, four penalties for the year only allowed one sack for the full year and only gave up nine total pressures. And that is just, that is just phenomenal. And if you look over the past decade, Dave Bakhtiari has been one of the best, if not the best left tackle in the league uh, ever since um, what's his name retired from the Browns. I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, Joe Thomas. Yeah. Him. Um, so on PFF, I uh, gave him a 91.6 pass blocking 86.9 run blocking, and he was number two overall in the league behind Trent Williams with the 91.8 overall uh, numbers. Uh, so, uh, just to kind of catch people up on where Dave Bakhtiar is at, he didn't practice in OTAs or the mandatory minicamp, but he's working on the sideline in the rehab group uh, with like Colin Hill and Robert Tanya and, and um, Elton Jenkins. So, Hopefully, uh, come training camp, he'll be available for everyone to see kind of out there practicing and give us good faith that uh, what they're saying is that he should be good to go. It came from Bakhtiari's mouth, which, you know, you take that for what it is considering what happened last year and, uh, you know, where he he was at. And he said he felt good and then came up with a bunch of um, setbacks in his rehab process and stuff. So, you know, hope for the best. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure he'll be back. I have full faith he'll be back week one, considering how much time he spent away. He, I hope it's uh, good to go. So that's my offensive player and the guy I'm excited to see back. Jake or Brian, do you guys
0: have thoughts on Bakhtiari? I mean, Simon summed it up pretty well. I mean, I don't think the injury Absolutely, is going to affect him
4: long term. I don't Lyman think it's going to it. be. Yeah, yeah just real quick on me. Be... Oh,
1: Real quick on him, like, people are like, oh, he wasn't in OTAs or mini camp. Why? Why? He doesn't need to be. Like, we mm-hmm. know what we have. There's no – like, give him the extra time let him go. And even if, like, Simon said, the dude's an all-pro, if he does take a step back because he's missed two years, what does he take a step back to a Pro Bowl level left tackle? Okay, great.
0: <laughs> right. What's up, Isaac? Taylor in here making good comments now. Taylor, I have a feeling you'll, you'll grow to, like, uh, Simon and Bryant when we do the, the Friday Night Packers shows, which we're going to do um, – Probably one in July, one or two in August, and then we're going to do every Friday during Packers season. So uh, we're going to keep these up. And then um, if you watch the the live draft show that we did, Simon and Bryant were on with that with us. So um, it's just just more perspective, and that's always something um, that's always something I think we can use, um, especially when we're we're talking about our favorite sports teams, and then translating to life. More perspective is always a good thing. Um, And I want to, before we move on, I just want to clarify this. When we get into places where, um, say the Packers are playing an evenly matched opponent or even an opponent that it seems like the Packers are underdogs in, we are not going to predict wins from a place of quote-unquote homerism. Our predictions are going to come from a stance of, we believe they can win, this is how they can win. If they do these things, they will win, not we're going to beat XYZ team because we're good and they suck. So it's not just blind homerism when we're going to talk about these things going into the season, recapping games, previewing games. It's going to it's going to be the the positive and optimistic approach that we've taken with our Wednesday shows and with the Brewers and with the Bucks. And with last year's Packers, it's going to be that same brand of of analysis and um, you know previewing that we do with all of our other teams because that's that's the way that we want to do the show because that's the way we want to um, inspire people to think in their personal lives, not just about sports. So, all right. That said, Isaac Jordan Love's MVP season is going to be in two years from now. So, um, 2024 MVP Jordan Love.
1: Oh Brian, who is your
0: offensive player that you're excited for?
1: So this is, this isn't a sexy pick by any means. Um, but I think with, before I I give his name, I, I, we all kind of in agreement we're not going to have, we're likely not going to have a wide receiver or tight end or running back that goes off for a thousand yards or anything. So I think it's going to be someone that we need. It's going to be a whole team contribution. So the person I picked was Josiah DeGuara and there I'll put my prediction out there right away. I think I'm um, something like 30, 35 receptions, 350 to 400 yards and four touchdowns, nothing crazy, but that, that'll that play for us this year, right? Um, the big thing about him is his rookie year, he was injured almost immediately, right? So last year was pretty much his first year. And we all know tight ends take three to four years to really kind of get into it, right? So the reason why I'm excited for Josiah DeGuar, though, is because when Tunyon immediately starting in the game against Arizona, when Tunyon tore his ACL, Josiah didn't have a game left less than two catches, and he averaged almost three catches for the rest of the season. Put up in those last ten games, he put up 237 yards, two touchdowns. He had a 74% catch, catch rate, and 40% of his catches went for first downs. Right. So that's mm. just someone that's going to help us keep this chains moving. Right. So yeah, it's not going to be someone that's going to put up huge numbers, but he he can be a safety blanket. Now, if you look at what else he did, his blocking, and I'll get more into this later, but the blocking piece that he can add, he um, the coach that I forget his name now because he he defected and went to Denver. He, uh, yeah, uh, no, the tight end coach. Um, but he he uh, talked about how how DeGuara's blocking really opened up some run gaps and stuff for him, and I think we're going to see even more um, of him lining up in the halfback role. Another thing with DeGuara is with how good of a blocker he is. If I don't anticipate this happening because of what he means to the team, but if they did make that decision, like, hey, we can't, we don't have a roster spot for Mercedes Lewis this year, DeGuara is someone that could step in and take that position. I'm not predicting that they cut him because he just means too much to the team, but he, you know, he could, if we keep Lewis, DeGuara can take some of those snaps and play that same kind of role, in my opinion. And that's saying a lot because Mercedes Lewis is probably one of the best blocking tight ends ever to play the game. So, um. Yeah, my player. I won't get too much into it, but it's just uh, it's DeGuarra, and I think he can add a receiving piece to our team. But he can help with the running game because we're going to lean heavily on that this year. And he can just he can kind of open up some different play calls as lined up as a halfback. The a coach
0: you were looking for, I think, is Justin Outen. Is that yeah. the one?
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. My bad.
0: He went to be the offensive coordinator for Denver. I yeah. just pulled
2: up while you're talking.
0: Um, I got to say, out of the things you mentioned about the Guar, I think the thing I like the most that you mentioned is that 40% of his catches went for first downs. Um, that's yeah. that's an important stat right there, especially when he gets to third down. Um, that's something that for the two years of Packers shows that Jake and I have done. Um, third down has always been something on both sides of the ball that I've always been really critical of, and I've mm-hmm. always seen that as a place where the Packers can improve. You know, Jake's like, mm-hmm, because he knows I talk about it so much. Um, yeah. So, yeah, third being being useful on third down, that's one of the reasons I was really excited about the Romeo Dubs pick because it seemed like at Nevada, every single time he was targeted was a third down conversion for a first down. Obviously, that's just highlights, so that's obviously not the only thing that he does and the only thing that he brings to the table, but just having guys that Rodgers can trust on third down, I think, is really important. Um, Jake, who is your offensive player you're excited for?
2: So, we got Isaac in the comments, right, talking about the Guara has an amazing beard. My guy is a guy who the media is very, very much attached to one of his body parts, and it's his thighs, man. Those things are, are humongous. Quadzilla, A.J. Dillon, the mayor of County, whatever the hell you want to call him. A.J. Dillon had a very, very productive year last year. And I got some numbers that'll, that'll show you his improvement. Um, he had 187 rush attempts for 803 yards and five touchdowns. That's very good production. second He actually started two games for us. Um, the part where it gets crazy, right? He averaged 4.3 yards per rush, by the way. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, in the passing game, he had 34 receptions for 313 yards and two touchdowns. He had a 91.9% catch rate. That is very impressive for a guy who we didn't know could catch the damn ball. So totally in touches, he had 221. He averaged five yards every time he touched on those over 200 attempts. So you're talking about a guy that puts you in position to get easy first downs, keeps the chains moving, and keeps your offense on the field, keeps your defense fresh, right? So that's amazing right there.
0: Greg said so he didn't want you to start on his quads. Um, Sorry,
2: Greg, I had to, man. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Isaac sets me up, man. all the time. Isaac's like the best wingman of all time. Um, um, so one thing I wanted to talk about, and, you know, we got Bryant down here saying that I don't – on the offense if anybody's going to have 1,000 yards. Well, speak for yourself because for me, I think that A.J. Dillon is going to rush for over 1,000 yards. I believe – I said
4: 1,000 receiving 1, yards.
2: 1,000 receiving yards. Okay. Well, I, in total yards, I have A.J. Dillon finishing around 1,500. He'll get almost 500 receiving yards, receiving yards and he'll get over 1,000 rush yards. I feel like he's going to be heavily used. He's young, and we don't have the wide receiver sucking up 200 targets this year. So we have to put him somewhere. Tanya's coming back off an of injury, so I'm sure that they'll use him if he's there week one, week two, before week whenever he comes back. Don't want to rush him back. But Rodgers isn't just gonna force the ball to him or the rookies, right? Right? So that leaves you with Cobb Lazard and the running backs. So I think heavily early in the season, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are gonna be relying on to move the chains for us. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. If you look, if you break down the percentage of plays that we ran last year, 57% of the time we threw the ball, and 43% of the time, we passed the ball. So I'm going to have more on that later, but with those percentages, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, I feel like we're going to have a pa- package with both of them on the field a lot. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what I think is going to happen.
0: You set me up for a really nice transition because you're talking about Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon being on the field at the same time. My offensive player is Aaron Jones. Now, I looked at it. Aaron Jones, um, thanks to RotoWire, I was able to find this out. Aaron Jones spent 105 snaps lined up on the line of scrimmage. So as a wide receiver, whether it was in the slot, um, tight to the formation, um, or on the outside. So 105 snaps, that's with Devontae Adams on the team. Now, Aaron Jones, his yards per catch is actually pretty low, but I think that's also a product of a lot of pass plays being really close to the line of scrimmage. So I think this year the Packers can try to utilize Aaron Jones' versatility because we know he's a good receiving back. In my opinion, he's the third best receiving back or dual threat back in the NFL after Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, James, welcome back. Um, These Packers shows are going to be every Friday night So um, when we get to the season. Um, So we'll be here on Friday nights all the time. Um, So getting back to Aaron Jones, um, I'm looking for – a lot more from Aaron Jones in the passing game. So there's a lot of questions that I'm sure we're going to talk more about wide receivers later, but somebody that I think can really step up in the passing game is Aaron Jones. Um, his catch percentage has gone up three straight years um, with Devontae Adams. That is 169 targets to disperse. Um, I think Aaron Jones is going to get about 35 of those, bringing him up to about an even hundred targets uh, based on his 80% catch rate in his career. That's about 80 receptions for Aaron Jones, just, just based on their on averages. So, say say Aaron Jones gets used out in the out on the offensive line of scrimmage more often, gets lined up as a wide receiver more. Say he can bump his career um, yards per reception average to about five. That's about 400 receiving yards from the running back. I don't think we're going to see a 100-110 reception season like the Panthers have had with Christian McCaffrey or um, like Saquon Barkley did. I think it was his second year he had over 100 receptions. But I do think that with with Aaron Jones being on the field more, and like Jake said, splitting him with A.J. Dillon, that the opportunity is there for Aaron Jones to have an 80-reception season with about 200-20, 230 carries, so I'm looking at potentially a 300-touch season for Aaron Jones, and I think that'll put him hopefully somewhere around that 1,700 scrimmage yards for Aaron Jones. So like Jake's thinking about 1,000 rushing yards for A.J. Dillon, if you're lining him up in the backfield using Aaron Jones, you can line him up in a wishborn formation, or you can split AJ AJ um, not Dillon, Aaron Jones out as a wide receiver. You could use A.J. Dillon as a wide receiver, but I don't think his threat level is quite there yet um but maybe it could be in the future so i'm looking i'm looking for aaron jones i'm going to double down on my bold prediction from last year that aaron jones would reach 65 receptions and this year i'm going to go as far as 80
2: on aaron jones all right so ask you a question. Ask how do you guys feel about running the jet sweep <laughs> with aaron jones i think that's definitely something that we can see
0: They did that a little bit towards the end of the, I think the 2020 season, they started using Aaron Jones a little bit in that, that old Tyler Irvin role. Uh And that's the kind of the role that I've been looking for them to fill with somebody. They just didn't really have the personnel for it. So like using Aaron Jones, I think that's how he ended up with like that three touchdown game against the Lions was that they were kind of using him in that role and he kept scoring at the goal line. So I do mm-hmm. think that, that is that is definitely a potential thing. Um, Isaac brought up the guy that I wanted to wanted to talk about with that potential role. I do think Kylan Hill is a guy that could potentially fill that role. Um
4: we'll, we'll we'll have James to said. Right
2: I'm not I'm not completely sold on Kylan Hill. I mean he, he had some moments, but he also had some bad right. moments. He still Now, here's my next question, because one of my favorite plays from last year, I still remember everything about it. They ran a Jeff Sweep with Cobb, and then it turned into an option. He actually flipped it to AJ Dillon. It was against the Vikings in Minnesota. And that would be something that I would love to see with Aaron Jones, because Aaron Jones is so shifty in the open field that I'm just like, man, you you have somebody deciding whether to stop Aaron Jones who could take it to the house or to get ran over by AJ Dillon. Take your pick.
1: I mean seriously. Dude, that would be that would be
0: sick to run a run an option. Um
1: and that's where I like for all four your- of our people tie in together. Can you imagine if mm-hmm. they had they split out AJ Dylan or excuse me Jones wide, and you had AJ Dillon and Daguara in the backfield, and you have Bakhtiari back. Like, mm. <laughs> you are gonna create some holes and some big bombs. Well, you, you could, and a you, could in, you could run
0: you could run like a like a bubble screen for Aaron Jones and get Daguara running an out route towards him, and then boom, you have a blocker out in front of him.
4: Yep.
0: So there's there's a lot of a lot of opportunity there, Greg. I I mean and Aaron Jones as long as he's healthy he's got all the physical tools and the Packers are going to have honestly my key word of the, of the year for the Packers this season is balance so I really think that the, the opportunity exists for Aaron Jones to have 80 receptions this year um, in my opinion outside of maybe Randall Cobb I think Aaron Jones is going to be Aaron Rodgers most trusted receiver going into oh, the season 100%. I don't think that's I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that a Christian Watson or a Sammy Watkins or Romeo Dubs or like like Randall Cobb develops into that. But I think going into the season that Aaron Jones is going to be the most trusted guy on the offense outside of
1: maybe Randall Cobb for Aaron or for Aaron Rodgers. Now you got me thinking of a play like play action to Dylan, to mm-hmm. Gregor out behind the line of scrimmage, and then a screen out to Aaron Jones. That'd be sick. Dude. Opportunity.
2: I think LaFleur is going to let loose this year, man. He's really going to yeah. let the creativity flow, and I'm excited for
1: It'll it.
2: Fun. It's
0: going to be fun. Balance and opportunity. It's hard to see an RB going for 80 catches. That's two wide receivers, tight end, three reception numbers. I mean, that's the running back for receptions
1: 116. Go look at Al- Avalon Camaro's stats right now. and tell me it's hard to see wide, a running back going for 80. For real.
2: For, as a Saints fan, it's hard to see a, a running back eight. with 80 receptions. Oh, <laughs> is that That's person
1: a Saints fan? Please yeah. Tell me yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> James is a Saints fan. Bro. Yeah, dude, I think is going to miss six, to six games.
2: He, he had still other... have 80 receptions. <laughs> Here you go. I got still at right 80. <laughs> 2017 81, 2018 81, 2019 81,
1: and 2020 83. I pulled him up when um, Tyler was talking about Aaron Jones. I'm like instantly started thinking Alvin Kamara S type season where he'll have less you know Dylan's going to lead in carries but A.J. Jones are Aaron Jones is still going to have 150 and, to 180 carries and like so that's they, a, that's they a had Mark of Ingram offense. there
0: for a bunch of those years too they like yep. to keep their running backs balanced as well so it's it's not the same system but you know they have you know balanced running backs and they use other running backs a lot too um and James it's it's purely hypothetical it's based on um based on targets and Aaron Jones' catch receptor, catch percentage. So Aaron Jones had 65 targets last year and missed what a game and a half, two games. And without Devontae Adams this year, that's, that's 170 targets gone from the offense, assuming Rodgers throws the same amount. That's assuming all things are the same. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. And I'm just assigning, say, 35 of those targets to Aaron Jones. Um, cause like I said, I do think he's going to be going into the season, Aaron Rodgers, most trusted receiver. And I do think the opportunity exists with the, um, what AJ Dillon has shown as a running back that you can use Aaron Jones's versatility. So I'm just speaking from a, a point of potential opportunity and, you know, just spreading the ball around is where I'm coming up with that potential 80 receptions for, for Aaron Jones. So. Oh, there is one. We got a, we got a Vikings fan in here.
2: Hey, hey, hey. I'll talk to you week one, sucker. I'll talk to you week one.
0: That's all right. hey. As far as as far as the Vikings are concerned, um I'm trying to be nice because we do, you know, we
3: Oh, I don't know
2: about that. I was going
3: I was going to wait till week 1 and No, 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 no,
2: no, no. No, no, no. This is 365 <laughs> days a year, damn it. Okay? If they going to talk, we going to talk. We don't get punked over here. Right.
0: Realistically, I don't see the Vikings dethroning the Packers. I do think the Packers are going to be around 12 and 13 wins, and I do think the Vikings are going to be around 10. So I don't think it's I don't think it's the Vikings' time yet. Um still not still not believing in that offensive line that Minnesota has and Kirk Cousins is like if you look up average in the diff, like in the dictionary, like it's just a picture of Kirk Cousins. Yeah, um, I, was
3: gonna, I was gonna wait until we did our like <laughs> NFC North preview. Yeah, we're yeah, gonna like, do that gonna in really, August, and really we'll really dive into uh, to uh, the different uh, NFC North teams. Um, but going back to Aaron Jones, I know uh, Jake was talking about the yards per touch for AJ Dillon. Aaron Jones wasn't that far off. I pulled up the stats I did for the dual running backs in the NFC North, and Jones still averages uh, average five point three yards per touch last year, so I mean, if we get both those guys on the field, which I think Lafleur will probably implement a lot more of that this year, I, I expect both those guys to get a lot of touches both ways. I agree.
0: Uh, Greg asked, "Does Lazard finally become more than a possession wide receiver this year? He had a couple years to prove he's the number two, yet hasn't clearly emerged. What makes that, what makes this year different other than Hopium? <laughs> Um, I mean, he's, he's he's. I mean, this. I keep coming back to he actually
3: say Yeah,
0: he did. Did I keep
2: You
0: I keep coming back to the fact that Alan Lazard scored eight touchdowns last year, which shows that Rogers will throw him the ball. Um, I do think that um, Aaron Rodgers did wear his Devontae glasses a little too often last year. Um, especially in the playoff game, which you know Rogers is human, so you know the defense carried that game, but the special teams, in my opinion, lost that game. But um, you know Lazard did also deal with a core injury last year, and I think that affected him. He did miss a couple games, and then the first game that he came back, um, he was really ineffective, and he had a couple drops. And I think that injury kind of just um, that injury kind of went out. into that. Um, James said, Minnesota. <laughs> um, so I do think that Lazard will have that opportunity. I think Lazard is going to be quote unquote, the wide receiver one, as far as the depth chart is concerned. Um, but I'm not a huge guy on the depth chart just because I believe that there's going to be so much opportunity. Um, so it could be, it could be Randall Cobb. It could be Sammy Watkins. It could be Lazard. And then the rookies are going to kind of filter it. Um, question will rodgers embrace watson how long can rodgers wait for him to develop
1: he's already embraced him yeah i agree i mean look, he texted him their, on draft day yeah and go look at their otas when mm-hmm. uh, or their man, their mandatory mini camp when he's throwing 45 yard bombs to him and but then they're, when they're doing against coverage you know he, there's already people tweeting and talking about the fact that aaron rodgers went up to him and is already and watson commented that he's talking about how he wants him to run routes and everything He's mm-hmm. already embraced him. He's had what two practices with him, and then they went and played paintball or whatever. Like, yeah, like, yeah. I, think, em- I think he he'll embrace like, him he, quickly. He doesn't have a choice but to embrace him. Aaron Rodgers right. came back to win a Super Bowl, right? Him being salty towards him is I don't know why people get this idea that Aaron is just this crazy salty person that doesn't want to work with anyone. He braced, like, you go back to the Jordan's rookie year, literally, the day one, you see him like interacting with him and, um, I can't remember the name of the quarterback we had the third string that they really like at that time i think he that produced was, uh, music London? or something um no, no, no. but you're talking
3: about uh i thought you were talking but, about the guy that went to the lions
1: but oh not Boyle, a different one too but oh, like what i'm saying okay. is he's embracing people he's not just being he's not turning a cold shoulder at people he's already embraced him and can't uh practices and quite honestly real quick on watson i think by the end of the year probably pretty quickly in the year he becomes our deep threat. I'm not saying he's gonna be our number one wide receiver, but he's our deep threat almost immediately. We have no one on the roster yep. that can run a four-three-six at six foot five. We lost that with MVS. So yep. whether he's gonna see snaps to clear the field immediately. Yep. So Rodgers. Rodgers will
0: sling the ball up there like he's done with MVS. Like Rodgers isn't. personally, I don't think Rodgers even cares If that pass falls incomplete, he's just gonna throw it deep mm-hmm. and have a receiver in the area just so that you know that he knows that he's there.
2: Yep. He sees the one-on-ones. Oh. I mean, I'm not. Listen, everybody's talking about his drop percentage and all this other bullshit, man. I don't want to hear none of that no more. Okay? You know, and Brian broke it down perfectly. Tyler broke it down as well, talking about him just taking those shots and stretching that defense. We're gonna pound the ball with the with the running backs. We're gonna do our little short stuff, and don't sleep on Dubs as a deep threat either. Because he has a, he has deep threat ability. He's a very mm-hmm. good deep deep threat route runner. So
4: fast, I feel line. like the
2: Packers draft is. The Packers draft is really underrated, in my opinion. That's all I'm going to say about that. And week one, Minnesota's going to find out.
1: Adarian
0: um, Adarian kind of echoed what I was saying about Lazard dealing with that injury. Um, He's dealt with a lot of injuries. Um, Like I said, last year was the core injury. I think that kind of slowed down his progress a little bit. Um, And same with Sammy Watkins. Um, Going into the season, they're both healthy right now. And until that changes – I, I like their opportunity, and that's all, that's all in the past because they're coming into the season healthy. So until they're not healthy, I'm not going to worry about their health. Um, and, and Romeo Dubs, as far as him being a deep threat, he played with Carson Strong, who has a cannon of an arm, so he's used to playing with a guy that has a good arm. All right, let's switch to defense. We'll let Bryant go first on the defense. Bryant, who is a defensive player that you are excited for?
1: So I got to pay first. And luckily I did because I wanted Rashawn Gary and that's who I'm going to talk about. Um, oh, baby. So Rashawn Gary, I'm thrilled. Uh, I can't wait for one. I'm thrilled with his, um, his improvement over the last few years. And everyone was saying he has a bust after year one. It's like, how do you say that? I think he played like 16 or 18% of the snaps year one. Uh, like he, we had Z Smith, healthy Z Smith and a Preston Smith on the field. Right. So now Last year, you he is his first full year as a starter, right? He puts up nine and a half sacks, but the big thing is that eight of those nine and a half sacks came during the last ten games of the season, and then he added two more in our lone playoff game. So he had twelve or ten sacks over the last eleven games that the Packers were on the field. So I'm not saying he's going to come out and have sixteen or seventeen sacks, but that mixed with um, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Oh, for one hundred percent sure. Uh, I have as long as he's healthy, I'll, I'll give my prediction here in a minute. That with the pressure rates and the fact that he can play against the run and he gets off the block and helps against the run, uh, I'm I think he like he he's now our number one pass rusher on this team, uh, 100%. And he really yeah. was last year. I mean, um, if we're being honest, the last 10 games. Yep. Uh, furthermore, he's really he's another thing is he's kind of entering a contract year, right? So this will be his fourth year. Obviously, we're going to pick up the option on him. He's going to be. Yeah. That dude is one of the most motivated people. I don't know if you guys follow him on Instagram. And he is. The dude is. I know it's just videos, but the dude is working out constantly. When. Um,
2: put cheese on everything, to, baby.
1: They put cheese on everything. And that's maybe that's why he has to work out on it all the time, is because he's eating too much cheese. But either way, like. <laughs> he. Uh, there was a practice that most of the veterans and everything were gone besides Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary was there working with all of them. And like that just tells me like he's proved himself. He doesn't need to be there. He was there. And that's kind of Aaron Jones-esque like a year or two ago where he was just there, mm-hmm. even though every all the veterans were gone. Um so for my prediction, last year, 13 and a half sacks would have put you in the top ten of an NFL pass rusher. You would have finished in the top ten with sacks. I'm putting Rashawn Gary this year in the top 10 of pass rushers in the league. I have him at I put him at, I believe, 13 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles. swumbles. And I threw in a random interception because I think they might, with adding Quay Walker and um, Devontae Wyatt, they might start mixing up a little bit of coverages and stuff. And maybe – because Rashawn Gary is fast enough. He runs like a 4-5-something to drop into coverage, uh, like sneak into coverage and, and maybe have Quay you know, Walker blitz and maybe he'll get a tip ball or something. But yeah, I think I have Rashawn been,
0: Gary developed as a as a running uh, stopping linebacker. And I'm, I'm not saying he's a run stopper. I'm saying he developed that part of his game as a um, – um, diagnosing – run plays and kind of addressing that a little bit. I think he improved every week as the season went on. So I do think this year that he'll be, he'll be a little more polished and not just a pass rusher.
1: And he, he will see more double teams this year, but how many, how much can you really double team him with Kenny Clark on that line? Preston Smith is still there. We have Devontae Wyatt. Quay Walker can rush. We have Jaron Reed. I mean, go ahead. And I guess, and you know what, if they double team him all year long and he only ends up with nine sacks again, but someone else on our line, hits nine or 10 or 12 sacks. Some of that credit's going to go to Rashawn Gary. Cause he's going to have to get double teams. I, so I think Jaron Reed uh, has had
0: two sack seasons over six. Yeah. He had a
3: nine sack season and like a six and a half. And a six so. and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> a, a few quick things on Rashawn Gary too. Well, a couple, a couple quick things um, that I remember uh, when I argue with people about Rashawn Gary Um so last year he was second in pressures with 81 in the in the league. So, I mean, don't let nine and a half, you know, sacks fool you. Like that dude's motor is just unreal. And I remember mm-hmm. last year, like him just beating double teams too. So even if you try to double team him, he'll find a way. That, that man is scary. Uh, and the other yep. thing too, um, I, man, what was it? Since 2020, he's third in the league in pass rush win rate, behind mm-hmm. uh, T.J. Watt and yeah. uh, fuck, what's his name, Miles Garrett. Was, uh, I mean, I that's that's, that's like just, I mean, that's yep. good company in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm also really high on Rashawn Gary this year. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna just blow through expectations for everyone.
1: Yeah, and, I, and he might well um, succeed 13 and a half. I just put him at that because I I think he'll be at least a top 10 pass rusher in the league this next year. But
0: mm-hmm. um, Arian's excited for Eric Stokes. I know somebody has Eric
2: Stokes. So go ahead. Oh, you want me to go? Oh, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. You might as well go transition. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Hey, Adrian. What's yeah, up, my man? So Eric Stokes, he was uh, – in my opinion, you have to kind of grade him a little bit differently because he was a rookie and he – he was thrown into the number one corner role. If you really think about it, uh, Jair got hurt, obviously. And we picked up a guy off a of practice squad who turned into Rasul Douglas with five interceptions and two brought back to the house. One against the Bears. Like, Ha-ha, fuck you, Chicago. Back oh. back
0: weeks.
4: Yeah. what
2: <laughs> was at both of them, by the way. So I'm calling myself Rasul Douglas' uh, good luck charm. Uh, buy me tickets so we can see more of those. If you want to see more Rasul <laughs> Douglas <laughs> touchdowns. Um, but we're just going to go with the stats real quick. He had 14 passes defended, one interception, the one interception – game against the Steelers. So he's guarding good wide receivers all over that roster. Uh, I believe he was guarding Deontay Johnson on that play when he got the interception. Yeah, he was. Um, yeah. He had 55 total tackles, 43 solo, 12 assists. I don't really care about tackles for a cornerback. Um, and he gave up 5.6 targets per game. So people are looking to throw all at him, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. That is, that is absolutely the best. And I'm actually going to talk about the defense a little bit more later. So, Greg, you know your shit. I believe he's a Lions fan, right? Or am yeah, I wrong?
3: Greg, Greg, Greg knows his stuff. I, I talked to him It's often. pretty
2: rare to find a Lions fan that's not a complete he, moron and desperate. He, he's, he's, a great, he, yeah, he's a great dude to talk
3: to. Like, he, he knows his stuff.
2: I'm sorry. I've been, I'm just going to name drop. I don't even care. I've been talking to David Morse for way too long to not think that all Lions fans are desperate. So, anyways, back to Eric Stokes. Um, so you got to throw the ball on somebody on this defense, correct? I believe we're going to see more pressure. I believe the front seven is going to get more pressure and make him throw the ball a little bit sooner. You're not throwing it at Jair. That's just step number one. Step two, if you throw it at Rasul Douglas, he's probably going to take it back to the house. So for me, I'm going bold prediction. I'm not even doing floor stealing. This is what I think is going to happen. I believe he's going to have 13 passes defended, double digits again, and he's going to have six interceptions. One of them he's going to bring back to the house. He's got 4.36 speed, remember, when he came out of Georgia. Mm. So this is fast. He gets his hands on it, and he gets an open field. Not many people are catching him. So I'm looking for a big year out of Eric Stokes. Um, the Packers believe that he's a budding star, and if we, and after all the years that we had to go through with terrible corners, how amazing is it that we have <laughs> that this strength. defensive backfield? Yeah. yeah. It might be the, the, the toughest position group, defensive backs, on this entire team and that is competing with a healthy offensive line because I still think the old line can be very, very good when fully healthy.
1: Yeah, I'm super excited about him too because if you actually look at the stats, I don't know if you went and used that website I sent earlier because I, I hadn't seen it before, but I went and looked at Eric Stokes too just to see what he like compared to for Jair's rookie season. This dude had, he defended 551 routes, ran against him. Yep. He only let up 49 catches in the entire year. That means he's letting up less than 10% like of catches yep. and actually he was number 10 in the league as a rookie with Jair not being on the field. So he was guarding some people yep. Um, with catch rate around and allowed in the entire league. And mm-hmm. with the ninth best pass rating against mm-hmm. him, I mean, that's as a rookie, the dude is he only give up 30 yards per game. Dude. Him, he, He's you, going to... Yeah. You can easily put him as probably, and you're right. People are going to just have to throw at him because they're not going to throw at Jair because Jair's somehow better than Stokes. Was, or, you know what I mean? Or he is just <laughs> an all pro. So there's a really good chance that, because he's close, it's and either we, it. Yeah, so. Oh, I could Jake and really, I, when, yeah.
0: we, when we talked about um, Eric Stokes being drafted, we were kind of like, oh, who's this guy? What is he? You know, what is he? We we had gone over cornerbacks, but we hadn't really dived deep into Eric Stokes. Um, so then, you know, the more research we did on him, we're like, oh, we're really excited. I actually compared him to Jair Alexander because he's kind of one of those cornerbacks that doesn't, rack up a ton of interceptions like, say, a Trayvon Diggs or a Xavier Howard who kind of, like, baits that, gives up a lot of yards, but does get a lot of interceptions. He's more of a guy that, like, shit, that guy's covered. I can't even throw to him because it's, it's not going to be
2: completed. He's a lockdown. He's not a ball hawk. It, and I would I would it's... rather have two lockdowns than a ball hawk. We have yes. our ball hawk. His name is Rasul Douglas. I'm hoping yep. – oh, my God. If Savage takes any sort of positive step just don't stay, just don't stay to... lateral. If he takes any trajectory positive, this defense is about to be insane. And Greg is the only rival fan that will admit that. And I appreciate you.
1: And um, so that, real quick, that website I sent you, I thought it was funny because I looked at them, Um And like, because w- they take their stats and they compare them to like best comparable player in the league. Jair mm-hmm. Alexander compared to Stephon Gilmore. Eric Stokes, Marshawn mm. Lattimore. So are you mm-hmm. telling me <laughs> that's the, our two cornerbacks? I'm all for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's
0: go. <laughs> um, so Jake, what's going on about Savage? Um, Greg mentioned the secondary Savage being the only question mark in it. Um, Savage is kind of that ball hawk guy, so Adrian Amos is going to kind of creep up a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. Darnell Savage is going to be the guy that kind of stays a little bit farther back. Darnell Savage, right now, if he's the guy that can make this improvement, he's going to be on a contract year. Um, so if Darnell mm-hmm. Savage can make a big improvement, he can get himself paid on a contract year. I'm just going to say, if Darnell Savage plays well, the Packers will have the best secondary in the NFL.
2: I don't think that's a question. That should be rhetorical, and then we just move on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right, Simon, don't go ahead. Think he has to play super well.
3: <laughs> so I, I, I'm not like – I, I just want to go back for one second because I want to talk about Stokes a little bit. Uh, so the one thing um, – that I can think of for last year uh, that Stokes really needs to improve on is because this is the issue that, like, Sam Shields had, right? Like, Stokes is this burner dude. Like, he has top-end speed, and I think he over relies on that speed sometimes, and that's what happens in games versus, like, the Cardinals when he gave up that that TD to – or well, I think we stopped him on the one, but he gave up that long play to Hopkins and that – uh, I think he had a play against Justin Jefferson where he, like, flipped his head around, but it was, like, too early and he couldn't track the ball. Yeah. So um, uh, relying more on his technique and being more comfortable with that. And I, I expect – like, I expect him to fix it. But – and he had a wonderful rookie year and stuff. But just that would be, like, my minuscule things that I saw from Stokes in his rookie year. Mm-hmm. And what's <laughs> hey, encouraging hey, hey, about that? not that crazy that you have to nitpick I
2: Two top five wide <laughs> receivers is the only plays he gave up, and that's what you have to nitpick. That is insane, and I'm not saying you're wrong because you're absolutely 100% right, but that is crazy. Hopkins is looked at as maybe the best wide receiver outside of Devontae Adams, right? Think about yeah. that, man. That's that's crazy, man. He's out there he had guarding another, the Hopkins. He had another
3: one, too, but those are the two major ones I can think of. But, yeah, I, I am a little bit nitpicking, but, you know, if he no, misses you that, to, then... it's okay like yeah, okay. that dual lead, but that actually uh, actually segues well into my guy. Uh, you
0: want want to answer this question real quick first? Thoughts on bringing Kevin King back so from death? I've
3: had this argument with people. As a fourth cornerback, yes. I am not opposed. Yep. Especially for like a minimal. I told you I should have yeah.
1: wrote the article. I should maybe I should still do it. Uh, people right, <laughs> Yeah, people Just hate right.
3: Kevin King to the point where they're not willing to admit that as a fourth CB he's not more reliable Or that he played well. He
1: played well in Joe Barry's defense his first he year. Did. He played okay. He, he got crapped he on
2: versus the Lions really bad, okay. though. I mean, he had some moments, I won't lie, but as a fourth corner, fourth I'm not expecting you to lock, lock everybody down.
0: In the unfortunate yeah, situation so. that somebody gets injured to, um, <laughs> having, having say, Kevin King versus uh, Shamar Jean Charles or – like a Trey Sterling stepping in, like I do prefer the guy that has the experience and has played well in the past, even though he's not a Pro Bowl level corner and knows the system yeah.
1: too. As and he can't it. expect anything other than veteran minimum at this point. If we're being right. honest, um, Cody speaking, no, Cody like, speaking
0: my language and excited not to have Lancaster. Cool, so I'm uh, looking I, forward to that.
1: <laughs> I mentioned went a little bit, buddy. Simon knows how I feel about Lancaster. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not appropriate for me to stay on this platform, I don't think. Probably, not. Uh,
3: but uh, I don't. I also don't think we do it uh, since we brought in uh, what's his name, Kezian Nixon. Yeah, right, he's really a, he's not. special teams though. He's yeah, a special team specialist. It'll strictly be a special team. But that's still a cornerback spot, right. so, yeah. unless we dump Shemarji and Charles. But it actually we'll sounds see.
1: like Nixon had a couple good practices at slot corner.
3: Ah, I had hmm. heard of that as well. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, right, then, uh, now that we're talking about like cornerbacks and stuff that segues into my guy, uh, I picked uh I picked Jaire Alexander. Like I said, it's it's hard not to get excited to get all pros back on this team. Like in a team that was is probably going to compete for the Super Bowl. It, yeah, it's hard not to get excited about guys coming back that you know are quality players at quality positions. So, Jair Alexander fits that. And so, uh, looking back to uh, not last year, but the year prior, <laughs> Jair Alexander was just the definition of shutdown. So, you talked about Stokes only allowing what 40, would you say 47? 49. 49. 49? Yeah. Jair Alexander, 35 receptions allowed on 69 targets for 330, nice. thir- 336
2: yards. Yeah, I missed it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I never miss one.
2: I was I was really listening, man. I was really into that. <laughs> I was just like, nice, 69, nice. <laughs> that doesn't get
3: past me. And so uh, for those of us that can't do quick math like myself, that's 4.7 yards per target. That is disgustingly low. And for a passer rating of 68.3. His coverage grade by PFF standards was 90.6. Anything above a 90 is just elite. Mm -hmm. Elite. Um, So a little more. uh, He also had 16 pass breakups, which was first in the league. Mm -hmm. And a little more advanced statistic. um, Next Gen Stats has uh, the highest rate of tight windows amongst CBs targeted over 50 times that season. Hmm. was 42.3%. So uh, rate of tight window is a cornerback within one yard of a wide receiver. So if that tells you how close Jair is just stuck like glue to these guys, it's hmm. just insane.
1: I think his average separation in 2020 was one yard. If you think about that, that's three yeah. feet. My arm – I'm not yeah, an NFL it's... athlete. My arm is three foot long. So he was just he, stuck to these he guys. He can deflect every pass that was thrown his way. Uh, a couple <laughs> other things too.
3: Uh, he was second team all pro. So, and then, uh, last thing I got on him, uh, he also excels in one-on-one coverage. So not having that safety over the top too, he was graded as the best in the league. Hmm.
0: I like that oh, tight man. window stat. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah, that
3: was. I found that. I was like, I was like, that's fuck it. That's, nice. that's a good
0: one. Yeah. That that's that's nice. good stuff. That tight window stat. That's good. Um, Greg asked if we can come up with a better handle for Jair. Revis wants his Island back. Um, I've heard him call John Money a lot. I know Jake calls him John Money very often. That one's a bad um, name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I'm I'm up for John Money. Like we can, uh, I we call can
3: cornerback uh, in the league. I know it's a little long, yeah. but, <laughs> I mean, we yeah, could,
0: we mean. could, we could stick with the top two not mm-hmm. two thing, you know, and and transfer yeah. Lazard's yeah. words from from wide receiver to cornerback. We can go top two not two.
2: I uh, mean, we're already using it on Rogers, so why not?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um.
2: All right. So my guy, um,
0: I went with another linebacker. I actually went with a rookie. So when the Packers drafted Quay Walker, I don't think, I didn't think they needed to draft him necessarily at 22. Um, if you would have flipped the Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker picks in the draft and and drafted Wyatt at 22 and Walker at 28, that would have been two great picks. Um, But it worked out that they got the two guys at the positions they did, so I'm totally fine with that. My first thing right away was wondering if Quay Walker was going to be able to challenge Chris Barnes for the starting middle linebacker spot next to all-pro Devondre Campbell. That question, I think, is kind of already being answered in training camp. Um, Quay Walker, since day one of minicamp, was taking the first team reps at middle linebacker. So I think Quay Walker is already kind of, Playing himself into that starting linebacker role. That being said, Chris Barnes will rotate in often. But starting, having Quay Walker, a guy with four, five, two speed, good instincts, especially in the running game, next to Devondre Campbell, next to Rashawn Gary, on the other side of Preston Smith, that is damn good linebacking. Um so, you know, going to going through the linebacking. We've already talked about the secondary. Uh, We didn't talk about the D line a ton. Um, Greg asked if I like Walker over Lloyd. Um, His injury concern was a little iffy for me. Um, And obviously for the rest of the NFL as well, because he felt far. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's more about the Packers and who they like? Um, You know, I'll answer that.
3: Go ahead. So I, I, uh, I liked Lloyd over Walker, but mm-hmm. after – it wasn't really that far off, right? Right. Like they both – they're both, like – they're both going to be really good in this league, and I actually didn't do too much research on uh, – I did. On, I got my – No, no, on Lloyd's injury stuff. Yeah,
1: I'll but, trust uh, man, Joe Barry, the linebacker whisperer, you know, to pick them right up. Uh, I had Walker as
3: my fifth inside linebacker. Me too that's only that's without considering fit either so right. like uh, dean wouldn't have fit great with the packers defense and so i had him as the number 2 linebacker
0: yeah here's the other but thing I don't with this too
3: fit real well
0: the Packers are really big on RAS scores. That's the relative athletic scores. The Packers are really big on those. Um, Quay Walker's was a 9.63. So they really like the guys that have the blend of size, speed, and athleticism. Um, Devin Lloyd's was, was really good at 9.58. Just Quay Walker's is just a little bit better. Um, and then with Quay Walker, he's um, better against the run, whereas Devin Lloyd is kind of more all-around. So, I mean... I don't think it was a bad pick to, to go with Quay Walker. Um, and then you throw in the injury concerns with that. And I think it's fine that they picked Walker yeah. there. Um, <clears throat> Brett said the secondary, which is the best on paper will be made even better given the vast improvement of the front seven, the additions of Wyatt Reed Walker and what appears to be another leap from Gary should mean we'll be bringing pressure from everywhere. We are going to be dominant on defense. I agree. So, this kind of ties into Quay Walker is where is the weak spot on this defense? Cause last year it was Tyler Lancaster this year. Where is it?
1: Inexperienced.
2: It's Lowry and Savage. That's it. Yeah. Lowry and Savage. Those are the, the two weak points.
1: And Lowry <laughs> might not even be on the field. I'm still not even convinced Lowry's making the team. He had a nice year last year, but we'll see, but um, he'll make the team over Heflin
2: and Heflin will probably get cut.
0: Yeah, Heflin will probably be on the practice. And card. I know and
2: I know I know that might hurt I, I love this effort too, but you're not going to keep six linemen. Because we need gap space. Mm-hmm. We'll see
1: what happens with that second wave of free agency.
0: Yeah. That's yeah, that's why we're not talking a ton about that yet cuz that'll there'll be yeah. more of that. Um, I do think I've been saying it since we've started the show that I think Lowry is a serviceable defensive end if you could put somebody good on across from him. Um you know, potentially, I don't know that Devonte Wyatt's going to start. I think he could. He he very well might. Um, and then you're looking at Dean Lauer. I don't see Jaron Reed starting at a defensive end position because I think he's going to be the primary backup to Kenny Clark, and they're going to rotate those two a lot to keep them fresh.
3: It'll it'll be interesting to see the snap counts at the end of the year with how much I, I agree they're, they're going to rotate. Right, you might see a lot of
4: them.
1: Yeah.
3: Obviously, Devontae Kenny will probably the have the most. Uh, and then outside of that, like it's kind of anyone's guess, really. Yeah, I think there's
0: gonna be a lot of possessions where um Jaron Reed will line up in the middle and they'll put Kenny Clark on the outside and line yeah, him up Kenny at defensive Clark's end.
4: Move a lot. So, I think oh, yes. I think
0: all of them are gonna move a lot. They're I said this when we talked lot, about the draft. Yes. They're all gonna move around a lot. So you could you could I mean you could set it up like an assembly line and have right end Nose tackle, left end, and you go from right end to nose tackle, and then you go from nose tackle to left end, and you go from left end to the bench, and then you come back and you start over, and you just revolving door, and,
1: and different, the, the offensive line is excited. looking
0: across at somebody different every single play.
1: Yeah, it makes me excited about the butts packages and stuff, too. It's yeah. Awesome. Cool. Um, yeah, those third
3: down packages, I'm super excited to see. <laughs>
2: Don't get third in the long, all That's all I'm saying. Rashon Gary is coming. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're in trouble.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. As far as I've seen, it in here a couple times, asking about Indama and Sue. No. No. no, he's he's not going to play on a Packers team, um, especially with the shit here. that he's pulled with Rodgers. Indama um, and Sue will not be on the Packers. No. no. Okay, so back to Quay Walker. Um, looking at him versus Chris Bryant uh, was really easy to see. Um, yeah, I mentioned the possible development of Slayton. He's the other guy that's going to make the team on the defensive line yeah. over a Jack Keflin. Um, so looking at Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, uh, Joe Barry, when he did his introductory press conference after the draft said, I'm springing out of bed and sprint to the office, knowing that those two guys are going to be here. Um, so to me, this is where I felt like Joe Barry had a say in that Quay Walker pick. Um, Brian mentioned my nickname for Joe Barry, the linebacker whisperer. I do really think that he's got that potential. Um, And I think Joe Barry had that influence on that pick and said, hey, if we can get a a middle linebacker to put next to Devondre Campbell that can do this thing, this thing, and this thing, you know, he has these tools. He's got this speed, size, and athleticism combo. Um, And you can use Devondre Campbell as a coverage linebacker. So hopefully that can help the Packers improve against tight ends. That was something that was a little bit of a weak spot at, at points. Um, so that's, Walker's
1: really good at that too.
0: Yeah, so using those guys, I mean, I think that is one thing that really helps the defense. Um, that isn't actually being talked about that much is that the Packers were kind of susceptible to tight ends last year. Um, we saw it with Mark Andrews and then George Kittle. Thankfully, he dropped the one pass that he was wide open for in the playoffs, oh, but yeah. obviously it didn't end up mattering.
1: I was at that game in person with Mark Andrews and it like, He almost took that whole team back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was bad, dude.
1: Um,
0: Concern for the depth at edge rusher. Um, That's kind of where I was hoping Whitney Merciless would have gotten brought back, but, you know, he decided to retire, so you can't really be mad at that. Um, I do think there's still some options at linebacker. We'll see. Like, like we just said, with the second wave of free agency. Um, that is potentially something we could talk about on the next show is is maybe looking at some some last-minute free agents the Packers could bring in for some depth. Um, back on to Quay Walker. Looking at him compared to Chris um, Chris Barnes. I almost said Chris Bryant. I don't know why. Because um, I have KB written down, so it's Chris Barnes. Um, in 13 games in his college season, Quay Walker 67 tackles, only five missed. That's a 93% tackle percentage, not in 2021, but back in 2020, the Packers missed a shit ton of tackles. And it drove me nuts every single week that Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos were the leading tacklers all the time that improved last year with year one of Joe Barry's defense. And I think that's going to improve again, bringing in a guy like Quay Walker, who is a sure tackler, a very sure tackler. Uh, Chris, Barnes is a good tackler. He in 16 games had 81 tackles, missed 10. That's an 89% tackle percentage. That's pretty good. But obviously, Quay Walker even better. Essentially, Quay Walker is just a bigger, faster, more efficient version of Chris Barnes, um, and he's three inches taller. So he's basically Chris Barnes in a better body and more efficient. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But looking at what the Packers have done in the drafts. You have to go back to 2006 to find the last time the Packers drafted an interior linebacker in the first round. And that was AJ Hawk. And the Packers have finally invested in that. So I'm very excited for Quay Walker this year.
2: It's going to be fun. I got some stuff on Quay Walker. That's why I haven't said anything. Um, I got some, I got some stuff I'm going to say in a little bit, but uh, I I'm also Walker, and I have a bold prediction for him. And I hope you guys are ready for
1: it. Real quick on that pick, I just think it was funny because I think we talked about this on draft night. Everyone was freaking out because we didn't take a wide receiver. The two years before then, everyone was freaking out because we wouldn't take an inside linebacker with, because we watched Devin White and Levante mm-hmm. David and everyone crush us and because they had the sideline-to-sideline side speed. We go and take one, everyone loses their mind. I'm like, okay, like.
0: Well um Greg we'll see, uh, as we'll far as that here. seventeen million in cap space is concerned, um I do think that if they don't bring in some some free agents later on in the um in the off season, I do think they're gonna work on Elton Jenkins and Rashawn Gary and potentially front loading some of those contracts and using some of that cap space to keep guys um Elton Jenkins I would say being the priority is Rashawn Gary has an extra year, but um I think Elton Jenkins is probably gonna be the guy that they're gonna work on first. To work on extensions, so that 17 million could be in play for extensions. Uh, um, I agree with that, and also uh,
3: Gudenkin likes to save a little bit of money for those. In- mm-hmm. He in- usually saves about five interest. million. Yeah, um, and sometimes like, uh, Whitney merciless. Uh, it was that Cowboys linebacker we brought in for a game, and then we just Jalen Smith. Yeah. Jalen yeah. Smith, yeah, like guys like that. Um, mm-hmm. He likes to keep a little cash aside for those yep. in-season acquisitions as well. Yep,
0: that's a good point. All right, so next thing we're going to talk about, some storylines heading into the 2022 season.
2: Um, Jake, you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. I'm good. shit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> go ahead. Storylines. So my storyline that I went with was how the Packers' first round helped shape this defense, and we've only been talking about this for 45 minutes now, so that's actually <laughs> perfect. Uh, first, I'm going to talk about Devont- Devontae Wyatt. Six three, three hundred and four 6'3", 304 pounds, and he ran a 477. <laughs> That's stupid, <laughs> okay? I'm just going to say that. Mm-hmm. 477 at 300 pounds, dude. Fuck all that, dude. And negative 15. <laughs> nah, I'm not a fan of that. I mean, and I am because he's on my team now. But the thing that I saw from Devontae Wyatt, because we have to look at it from college perspective, obviously he hasn't played NFL staff. Snap thing I'm looking at is he has a very good first step. He flies off the ball, and when he flies, he has that really good first punch, right? So he gets into the defenders. He gets into those – or the offense players, the guards, the centers. And he's very good at pushing the A-gap, B-gap. So you look at Devontae Wyatt pushing the A-gap. Who else is pushing the A-gap? Oh, yeah, his Kenny. name is Kenny Clark. So now you're pushing the A-gap, right? So now these quarterbacks have to run out. This is why I said when we drafted him that Justin Fields is going to get sacked 15 times against the Packers. Because we're going to flush him out to Rashawn Gary's side. And Rashawn Gary can catch Justin Fields, okay? So when I'm looking at him, I'm looking at him and Jaren Reed, you know, coming together and really becoming a force at defensive end. Now, I know um, Dean Lowry had a really, really improved season last year. He actually knocked down a lot of passes. That's something that is very underrated with his game, is he knocks down passes. But with Devontae Wyatt pushing the pocket, that is just going to make everything easier uh, for the defensive backfield to control the timing of the game. It's just going to be amazing, and I am—I can't believe we got him. The only problem with him is that he's 24 already, which you're like, oh, my God, he's 24, but it still seems like Kenny Clark is 24 because we've had him for 20,000 years. He's 26. I know, dude. <laughs> That's crazy. He's still only 26 he has been in the league for like nine years.
1: I will say real quick with the age, I do like that because we need him to contribute right away, and that shows he's got a little more maturity. Yep. And he, he's yep. he's he's a grown ass man now, right? He's got his old man strength right now, so yep, I, yep. it's not he's, the worst he's, thing. He's got his <laughs> hey, old man
2: strength is a real thing, and I don't care if nobody says. So next, I talk Son. about Quay Walker. Quay Walker, dude. Okay, here's the thing about Quay Walker. He's 6'4", 241 pounds. And Tyler mentioned the four or five speed. On top of being 6'4, 4'5, four, four, he has a 6'8 wingspan. So he's long. So he's fast and long. You get him in that wingspan, and he's going down. Tyler mentioned the missed tackles. Not many. Um, he's a guy that's really, really good at, at running sideline to sideline with these running backs and tight ends on, on short pass routes. And he, he runs downhill and absolutely destroys stretch runs. Yeah. That's one thing that I noticed with his tape. When you ran a stretch run and he saw it right away with the, how the lineman moved, that son of a bitch was going, no. Nowhere, You were lucky to get back to the line of scrimmage. And he brings that boom. Also, he has been soaking in every bit of information from Devondre Campbell, who, by the mm-hmm. way, was the first team all-pro linebacker, if you didn't know. Also getting coached by Joe Barry, who we have named as, a, as the linebacker. Whisperer. We need to talk to Whiskey Ball, Ball making a T-shirt about that, by the way. Mm-hmm. He started that shit. And here is my, my crazy prediction for Quay Walker. And nobody's going to agree with me, but I don't care. I think because we have such little depth at outside linebacker, we are going to see Quay Walker lined up at outside linebacker and put Chris Barnes in the field. Because Chris Barnes is still an important piece. He can still lay the thump every once in a while. I think Quay Walker and Barnes will also be on a special team together. But I can see Quay Walker getting some snaps at outside linebacker and getting a couple sacks. I'm I'm thinking three sacks, you know, because you're going to you know, overload one side. You have Quay Walker, you know, just walk into a sack every once in a while. That is my crazy prediction for Coy Walker is he's going to line up outside linebacker that time.
1: I don't think it's crazy to think he'll get three sacks. It might not be from outside linebacker, but I think because of those blitz packages we talked about, and he's Mm -hmm. so fast, he might shoot up the middle and just destroy somebody real quick, fast, in a hurry. So I don't think three sacks is out of the realm of possibility at all. And I think if I remember what you're talking about, like those stretch plays and stuff, I think he had an interception on a similar play in OTAs already where he ran out and read the screen and picked the ball up. So I'm just that speed. It's going to play, and I can't wait to see it. It's it's going to be something we haven't seen as Packer fans in a long time. That kind of speed at linebacker.
2: It's it's going to be something to watch, man. It, in my opinion, with if you take everything into consideration, us, the Buccaneers, are the two best linebacking cores up the middle. If you really look at it, if you know straight up off potential and production, I think us and the Buccaneers are the top two. And obviously, we know what the Buccaneers can do. They're number one, by the way.
1: Cause
2: they're
3: great. Yeah, yeah, yeah that dude was nasty. So, because uh, I was, uh, I was looking at Quay Walker's tape. Uh, a couple things that stood out to me, on top of uh, the things that you said. Um, so, on those like wide receiver bubble screens where he's put in a one-on-one situation, one thing that he, I noticed he does really well. Is he makes the wide receiver choose the outside lane instead of cutting back mm. inside. Mm-hmm. So having him hesitate on the line of scrimmage and attacking him for a minimal gain was something I noticed that like kind of popped out to me on his tape. Pins him, uh, yeah, yep. uh, yeah, him on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah. Pin him on the sidelines. And I think he uh, he had a couple good plays against Tennessee, and I forget the other one I was watching uh, where he forced like maybe a one or two yard gain. Instead of you know the Devonte Adams like in and out like get seven six seven yards mm-hmm. uh, type deal and the other thing too with his sides and speed I, I think that's one reason he was brought in too to to be able to cover those tight ends uh, mm-hmm. to get to get big on them um, so I think I think he can do a lot with that too
1: and just in like those... a lot of like nickel packages and stuff. Another play that just popped in my mind was they said that. In the two-minute warning, they're running. Um, there was a bubble screen or something out to I can't remember who it was, maybe Gore or something, right? Um, and it was the whoever caught the screen and two blockers versus Quay Walker alone. They said if he split the blockers and he made the tackle. I know it's in shorts That's and t-shirts. If he, he was in shorts and t-shirts and stuff and OTAs and stuff, but that just shows like his hustle, his ability to like get. It's, it's going to be fun to watch. So uh, we obviously look at that with a grain of salt, but. Because it's they're not wearing pads or nothing like that, but that that's just excite excitement that we haven't seen really. I mean, Devondre Campbell brought it, but this just takes it up another level. I like I
3: like Greg's comment there
2: about Demario Davis. Um, it's that that's not bad. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I I'd probably
3: I probably take that too. I don't Davis
2: that. is very good, but, but we but have the guy that was our, first. Our, team if our
1: player. linebacker – yeah, if our linebacker duel is in that conversation, I'm happy with that. Put it that yeah, way.
3: absolutely.
2: Absolutely.
1: So I, uh, uh, but I didn't
3: mean to, like, steal your thunder. I just want to add on to what you were saying about Quay. No, yeah, no. I love it. I love the
2: pick. No, I, I honestly think that the options are endless for this defense. And, and, and being top two in the NFL is absolutely a possibility if health is on our side. I was being super Man. sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the Brewers being up seven, scoring seventeen runs, seventeen to one Yeah, is that's, that's really real. to one? Is nothing yep. new. Dang. Do you remember when they beat them
1: twenty to zero?
2: What was that like? Twenty eleven, maybe. I remember that shit. We still had Prince Fielder and Ryan Braun and shit in Pittsburgh too. We
1: beat them like twenty to zero. That is All
4: right. a- <laughs> oh, They're in Pittsburgh story. right now. I'll take Go ahead, Brian.
1: If you want me to. So Go mine ahead. is, and and I just picked the um, OTA minicamp storyline to be Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson because that's what everyone was watching. Real quick, it's gonna be short and sweet. I just want to make the point. Um, so everyone was freaking out because Watson had some drops in his like rookie minicamp and stuff. So you like from the draft network they said Watson dropped another pass in Tuesday's practice and drop issues that repeatedly plagued Watson throughout practice despite it being of the T-shirt and shorts Friday. On top of that, fellow rookie receiver Romeo Dubs. Who has picked 98 picks after Watson? They made sure to point that out. Has reportedly looked considerably more pro-ready than Watson. Adding, um, and then uh, adding concern to Watson's development. And then they another person tweeted that Romeo Dubs is making Jordan, Jordy Nelson-esque plays and stuff like this. And everyone is ragging on Watson for those. Guess what happened? As soon as Aaron Rodgers came in town, it completely flipped, right? watson they said is showing strong hands he caught everything in the two practices and romeo dubs dropped passes and muffed a punt. so the point i want to make is that it really doesn't mean anything right now all these in these groups all you talk about is calling him drop watson for one he played in a run first offense i get it that he dropped a lot of targets but you know how boring it would be for someone of his skill talent to sit there and run block which is a benefit to us and i'll talk about that later but all he, a lot of the times he was blocking he probably had some concentration issues. Guess what? That's probably not going to be an issue as much with Green Bay. So the fact that I just want to say like, this doesn't mean anything right now. We haven't even mm-hmm. put pads on the fact that he yep. had some drops and I'm not going to go and compare him to Jamar Chase and be like, well, Jamar Chase had drops and is probably now already a top five wide receiver in the league. But what I'm saying is it instantly flipped. These are rookies. They're going to go through their ups and downs. It instantly flipped when, when Rogers came into town that Romeo Dubs started dropping passes and Watson was connecting with Rodgers. So, Everyone needs to calm down. Now, if we get into like the third or fourth week of training camp and Watson is still dropping balls and stuff, then we can be like, oh, boy. But even so, if he becomes a deep threat and Rodgers is hitting them and he's striding past people, it it might be he's dropping passes when he's, you know, as contested. So we don't know the full story. We got to see him in games. I just Everyone needs to chill out and let it play out and see what happens.
0: I'm not even worried until they actually put something on the field and start playing preseason games and start getting like quote unquote real action. Um, yeah. That's, that's when I'll start looking at, you know, is he you know playing in game situations? And that's when I'll start starting to try to take judgment. And even at that, like these guys got to have time to develop. None of this is going to happen instantly. Um, yeah. So you got to give these guys a little bit of time. Like they were literally drafted two months ago.
4: Yeah. So you got to give them
0: a little bit of time to to acclimate, to become pros, to have the time to begin to develop because they haven't even started to develop
1: yet. Um, so. And one other note I forgot to say is um, with uh, you know building trust with Rodgers, I get is in there, but when they are doing two minute riddle, the three wide receivers on the lead, on the field were Cobb, Watkins, and Watson. So. Mm-hmm.
0: He's, he's so the question ready. was asked. The question was asked, how many wide receivers do you think the Packers will keep? I mean, we could just count them out. They're looking at Watson, Dubs, Lazard, Watkins, Cobb. Um,
1: Amari Rodgers. I don't think it's going to Amari Rodgers
0: is six. So I think they keep
1: seven total. I think one more might make the team. We'll see.
0: I think if you're looking at maybe either Samari Toure or – um, Malik Taylor making the team for special yeah. teams. Uh, yeah, I,
3: I think if we keep seven, it'll highly depend on special teams. Yeah. Right? yeah,
0: I think it'll be it'll be six for the offense and one for special teams. Yeah. That'll be potentially seven.
3: I, I know. Um, uh, I know he doesn't get a lot of love, but I like Samari Toure. Right? Like watching his tape mm-hmm. and stuff. Like and his like where he came from and stuff. Like he, mm-hmm. he's a fun, he's a fun player to watch. Uh, Nebraska doesn't get a lot of love because they suck. Didn't
1: he put up monster numbers in Montana?
3: Montana, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and like, yeah, he made it. He made his way up. But he was fun to watch. If you get a chance to watch his tape, whoever's listening, like, go watch his tape. It's a fun watch.
1: He's made. He's made some pretty crazy practice uh, catches in practice already. I guess
0: I've heard. Yeah, I heard that too.
3: Winfrey, I don't know. I'm really.
1: I don't know what's going to happen. Get Winfrey on our practice squad, though, is a thing. Yeah.
3: I'm just, I don't know, I'm pretty over Winfrey. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I'm not.
0: I'm not sold on him. Um, John asked if the Packers sign a veteran wide receiver who goes.
1: Donald Driver.
3: <laughs> Bring him back. Bring him back one more year. Um, I I want Will Fuller. That's just me though.
1: I don't think we found anyone. Unless, like I, I, uh, I think if, if, if they're comfortable
0: if they're comfortable with Watkins. I think they'll roll with Watkins as that veteran wide receiver on the team. And Randall Cobb is still here. So, unless they were to get rid of Sammy Watkins for, say, an injury concern or something like that, I don't think they're going to bring in another one.
3: Yeah, they, they already came out and said Watkins is probably going to be a huge part of the uh, yep. of the offense. So, like, I forgot all that all talk forehead. that I was doing about him, like, not guaranteed a spot is out the window. They, yep. they, they, want, they have him for a reason. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I'm order- not – I'm, I'm not convinced they're, they're going to bring anyone in. Uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to bring anyone in, though. But if I, if I, yeah, I'm, I'm down for OBJ.
1: Towards the end of the year, sure. Towards the end of the year, ain't no reason to sign him right now.
3: Yeah, I think people were kind of waiting on his health a little bit. But and I OB, forgot OBJ that OBJ had some solid playoff games. Yeah,
1: that Watkins had has experience too with with Lafleur when they were yeah. in with LA. That's what I was just
0: gonna pull up because he's got. Experience with Lafleur and one of the other coaches on the team. I wanted to find it for, so I
3: can find the years.
1: Now, if there's an injury in camp or something, or in preseason, it totally changes. Yeah, picture. like
3: if Watkins tears his ACL or something, then we might we might go out and look a little harder. Or if he ends
0: up with another hamstring injury, which is what he's yeah. dealt with previously.
3: Okay, so
2: welcome to Green Bay. Yeah, matched yeah. <laughs> the point. <map>. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> I don't miss those days. Clay Matthews on the injury report with his hamstring injury for the forty-four thousand. Oh, oh my gosh, girl. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. All right. Um, <clears throat> who's turn is it? Well, who just talked uh, right now? Simon, go to Simon. Oh, oh here it, it is. I got it. I got it. I got go it. I got go it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um,
0: Packers wide receivers coach Jason Vrabel was an assistant working with All Watkins right. in Buffalo. Yeah. And Matt Lafleur was the Rams' offensive coordinator when Watkins scored eight touchdowns. So there's the connection. There is is Vrabel, <laughs> and Lafleur. That's right. All right, uh, so, Simon, go ahead. What's your storyline for the 2022 season?
3: Ah, uh, so mine uh, for 2022. Wait, that was our rain. I thought it was just for like OTAs and minicamp and stuff. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, it's, okay. it's just a storyline that's going on. It can be for whatever. Okay. Uh, so uh, right now I kind of um, – I'm pretty excited for the offensive line battle come training camp. Well, I think all of us are expecting Bocciari back, so it's kind of interesting, um, especially with Jenkins out. And uh, I think more – I think he's probably going to end up being on the pup list uh, to, start, to start the season. So he'll miss – what is it, four to six games now? I can't remember. Six. can you I thought they changed six. it really to the pup list. It, six games. Yeah, so I, I assume he's probably going to start the season on the pup list. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who who's in competition for that uh, right tackle spot. So assuming Bakhtiari takes the left tackle spot, I think John Runyon has earned that left guard spot. He's going to start, him. yep. Yeah, he earned that left guard spot last year, and he didn't let anyone have it. Um. And then Myers probably going to—he's uh, probably going to win the center job, I assume, because uh, of last year's pedigree in the draft uh, being taken the second round. Um, right guard and I think right tackle are both kind of up in the air, almost. Um, obviously, right guard, I, I believe uh, Newman has dibs yep. on that yep. for now. He—he, he, in my opinion, he struggled a lot last year as rookies normally do. But to wrap up the season, I, I think he came on strong and he looked—he looked good.
0: Uh, towards the end, of, like the real last. quick course. with Newman, Jake yeah. and I had this discussion that his stuff wasn't, um, it wasn't physically based. It wasn't, you know, he's not physically capable of doing it. It was mental stuff, and Jake yeah. and I talked about that during some of the games last year. That that's stuff that can be fixed and corrected. Whereas yeah. you can't just look at a at film and say, "Here's how you get stronger," or "Here's yeah. how you get taller." So yeah. you know that
1: he's as far as Newman he is he just concerned, missed a random block. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. like
3: San Francisco, I think he struggled real bad. Um, yeah. that was so like that's stuff that can be corrected. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I think right now he's he's kind of leading that right guard spot. But that mm-hmm. really opens up the right tackle spot, and mm-hmm. um, kind of in OTAs and stuff, they put Cole Van Landon out there, who was a sixth round pick last year, I believe. Um, But you know, we also have Nyman, who could probably, who I think they're going to give a shot at right tackle too. Mm -hmm. Uh, He played pretty well, uh, left tackle for us last year.
0: um, You could throw, yeah, you could throw Zach Tom into that conversation too. Yeah,
3: Um, Zach Tom. I think Sean Ryan could maybe be. Yeah, he could be up in that spot. He could uh, challenge Newman for that guard spot too. I think so too. Uh, So the possibilities, I, I believe, on the right side of the line. Uh, rolling into the first game of the year, almost endless. And I, the Packers do a really good job of making these guys very versatile um, yeah. in, uh, in the offensive line duties. So That's uh, the thing. Um, the Packers did the
0: perfect, the exact right thing by the team by making Adam Stenovich the offensive coordinator. Agree. Not anybody more deserving of that job than Adam Stenovich. And all you've done is give him more ammunition to make a good offensive line as he's already done for years.
1: Yeah, you don't want to not lose Not anybody so more deserving of that job than Adam Senevich. The patchwork he's done on the line, you could, you had to do it because you could not – like, you, that's someone you don't want to see walk out the building 100%. Uh, he would have. He probably would have. So, had a chance. He would have gotten an somewhere. offensive coordinator
0: job yeah. somewhere if he hadn't gotten it here. So, he is yeah. so deserving of the job and the, the job that he's done with the offensive line. Um, it's only going to continue this year. And, honestly, I'm kind of excited to see what he does with the rest of the offense. If he can – you know, if he's got that great offensive mind of – you know, being able to put guys into multiple positions. If he can do that with other position groups other than the offensive line, I mean that just increases the the opportunity for versatility for the rest of the team, and that's a really really that's, exciting. That's prospect. what
1: makes me really excited about the run game and the different mm-hmm. things you can do. Is because you think about it, he's the one putting together the whole line, right? He's working a lot behind at the line of scrimmage and behind, not what's going down as much on down the field. So like just the run packages or anything we can do with that, and like his already his knowledge on it mixed with the floors.
3: This is going to be fun to watch. So uh, a couple more things on the offensive line. Um, uh, we've taken a six offensive line in, in the last two drafts. And that, I mean, you want to, <laughs> yeah, isn't that ridiculous? That's how I read. That's how I mean, It's not like, it's, it's ridiculous. Cause you don't see it. Like it just yeah. goes to show like green Bay's commitment of like putting trenches, uh, putting these guys in the trenches. And yeah, I appreciate that. And, also, I'm interested to see who fills that like Lucas Patrick duty, right? The guy mm-hmm. that can can play. I well, mean, he's, positions. he's yeah, and Zach Toms. And yeah, Zach Toms, mm-hmm. I think he he could play it well. Um, but yeah, so it, I think that's going to be my favorite part of training camp, honestly. Sweet. And I know I, uh, everyone's going to love on the wide receivers and stuff, but I'm really interested to see who we roll out week one. And one uh, thing that's a line until Jenkins gets back where I assume he'll take that right tackle spot or mm-hmm. yeah, at least give him uh, yeah, he's probably going to take the right, tackles, right he tackle deserves, he, deserves, right. He,
1: deserves, he deserves to be paid like that. Oh, one yeah. thing I'll, well, I'll give credit to Andy Herman. I do watch all his videos and stuff. He made the point, like, I think Bakhtiari is going to be fine because previous years we've seen assigned people like Dennis Kelly. We had Billy Turner, other people. We, we didn't, we don't have a veteran that we went on sign in case David Bakhtiari is not ready so it makes me think that they really like they're they're feeling pretty positive. He's gonna be ready to go left tackle, and they're only gonna have to figure it out right tackle, and they can do that with the depth that they have.
3: I like Sean Ryan a lot. I, I think he's, I think he's gonna be a powerhouse. He, well, he very, looks
1: good. Going to about, plane, would, go, ahead. go ahead. Sorry, my only it's kind of a joke. I was gonna say my only concern about Sean Ryan is that we took him in the third round. <laughs> true.
0: Um, Greg said, let's be real. The trenches are still the essence of good football teams. The Bengals were a huge asterisk last year. They were the anomaly, not the example. That is true. And ultimately, it came down to the last play of their season, where if they had a good offensive line, they probably win the Super Bowl.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because Ramsey got cooked. And before Greg said that, I was going to say, people wonder why the Packers have been good. Yes, we've had great quarterback play. We've had horrible... Defenses. Our offensive line is always consistently good. We just pump yeah. out all pros, yeah. and then everybody freaks out when we lose in free agency. It's like, yeah we'll draft another one next year. Fuck it, we'll fill yeah, we'll we'll another in. one <laughs> in. Isn't that, isn't that isn't that funny
3: though?
2: Like, so why a um, state, and he turns into a freaking perennial Pro Bowler. What the yeah. hell is going on in Green Bay, man?
3: Like Evan, <laughs> D- losing Evan Dietrich Smith when he was a Pro Bowler. And then we draft Corey's Lindsley. He's a you know first-team pro Treader. Yeah, losing Treader. Treader. Lang. Like we're remember just back like, in the you know, day we lost,
2: uh, we lost Wall and Marco Rivera. Do yeah. you guys remember that back in the day? Yeah, that was yeah. a big story back when Favre was the quarterback, and it was just like yeah. no worries, guys. we'll be okay. We got T.J. Lang yeah. and Josh Sitton. Mean, there there
3: are a the couple back. years.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: there are
1: a couple years where we
3: rolled out putrid offensive lines. Though, what was the dude
1: we traded up with Chicago to take in front of Chicago, our trade? From Indiana. He was just. Oh, that guy up. was bad. Oh, oh, God. Was kind of yeah, heavy yeah. Heavy oh, let's just stop talking about it. Yeah, yeah he was massive. about <laughs> it. Um, his name is Jason be Spriggs, by the way. Sprigs, sprigs.
2: Yeah. God damn, I'm the smartest man. Let's fucking go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Storyline lies with the tight end room as far as Robert Tunyon recover as a solid tight end as he was in 2020. What will Tyler Davis offer upon his spot as the fourth and Josiah DeGuara progress from last season? Uh, if you go back to the beginning of the show, Brian's offensive player that he's excited for is Josiah DeGuarra. He dug into him. Um, as far as Tanyan, he's, as of now, we shared it on the page a couple of days ago, that he's expected to be ready for week one, which was surprising given he got injured in what week eight. So yep. seeing him ready for week one potentially is, is good news. Um, Tyler Davis, he showed a little bit of flashes, I do think, um, as far as the tight ends are concerned. Um, him and Mercedes Lewis are going to be kind of in that awkward spot of who do we keep? Um, I can see Tyler Davis being on the practice squad as one of the guys the Packers protect um, on the practice squad, um, just in case, say, DeGuar were to get injured or Tunyon to be injured or either of them, um, whether Tunyon's not ready to start the season, um, I think then Tyler Davis steps in. Um, so I do think you know, the, the opportunity lies for Tyler Davis to start the season on the practice squad, but be protected. Um For me, my storyline that I'm most excited for this season is the year two of Joe Barry's defense. Um, When the Packers brought him in, I looked at his track record. I had seen as a defensive coordinator that he had some bad defenses. He also had no talent on the defenses that he had. Packers bring him in, give him some talent, and boom, the Packers have a really good defense. Looking at the years that he was a linebackers coach, he did a lot of really good things. He took Corey Littleton from an undrafted free agent to a pro bowler and he was the 2001 Tampa Bay Buccaneers linebacker coach that won a Super Bowl. So that's where I started calling Joe Barry the linebacker whisperer. Then you bring in Devondre Campbell. He turns into a free agent that was you know, kind of just waiting around. Gets a one-year deal with the Packers. Boom, first-team All-Pro. Rashawn Gary takes a huge step forward. Preston Smith has a great season. Preston Smith had a great season last year. He did a really good job of balancing being a pass rusher and also being a run stopper. I think, you know, when it comes down to the Smith brothers, I preferred to keep Preston Smith because while I do believe that Darius Smith is the better pass rusher, Preston Smith is the better all-around linebacker. And then Rashawn Gary obviously is stepping into that Darius Smith role. So now having Preston Smith on the other side, you have three really, really, really good linebackers and then the first pick of the 2022 NFL draft is an inside linebacker. That's where I really feel that Joe Barry had a lot of influence on that pick. And now you're plugging Quay Walker in with the linebacker whisper next to an all pro next to a great pass rusher and across from Preston Smith, who's been in the league for a long time, performing at a high level and doing basically everything that the Packers need him to Um And then on top of that, now you're adding Quay Walker. You're basically adding Jair Alexander to this defense because he didn't play a whole lot before getting injured. So you're essentially adding Jair Alexander to this defense, and you're adding Devontae Wyatt, and you're adding Jaron Reed, who, like we mentioned earlier, has had one season of nine sacks and one season of six and a half sacks. Those two years he was on good defenses. So when there's tons of attention to other guys, that's when Jaron Reed has had the best years of his career. We've been talking about the defense for the last – 45 minutes, like Jake said, and now we see all of these guys that you have to pay attention to on the defense, and that's where the opportunity lies for Jaron Reed. Um, So, I mean, heading into 2022, I'm very, very excited for, for year two of Joe Barry. Uh, I liked the hiring when they brought him in, and there's just full speed ahead on the Joe Barry year two defense.
2: Oh, man. you Tyler knows how happy this makes me. In my heart, I'm a defensive guy. Um, I played defense when I was in high school. Not that that matters for anything, but I just love watching. Uh, like the, the Seahawks game might have been my favorite game of the year because we held them to zero points and we absolutely destroyed them. We took everything from the Seahawks that day, and then they ended up trading Russell Wilson because they realized that they sucked and we ended up season. So essentially, we got Russell Wilson traded in okay. my mind. <laughs> talk about Talk about the Badgers, Jake. Talk about the Badgers. How do we feel about the Badgers? We love watching the Badgers every Saturday because we get to watch one of the best – this defense is an entire nation, and Georgia's defense was better than the Badgers. I'm not going to be a homer and say that they were close, but if you but numbers wise, it was close, mm-hmm. you know. But talent wise, obviously, look at what the defense did in the NFL drafts almost like everybody was getting drafted. I was okay, in love with almost up. every player in Georgia, they were the national <laughs> champions. But the Badgers defense was absolutely phenomenal. We pump out NFL linebackers now, we pump out NFL defensive linemen. And now with USC and UCLA coming over, we get more west, you know, showing, Yeah. who knows if we can get a couple corners and a safety. This Badgers team honestly might take off. That's all I'm going to say. I'm excited to talk about this Badgers. That's very interesting, here, man. Um, I heard Oregon and yeah, Washington apply to me in the Big Ten now. So if we could just get all of the yep. northwest, um, that would be absolutely insane. But, yeah, Chennault is a freaking stud. We absolutely love Leo Chennault. War Machine, yep. baby. I mean, yeah, grip factory, baby! Like, I'm here for all of that on Wisconsin. I'm excited. By the way, I started on my birthday, so that's a great birthday present if somebody mm. wants to be cool. Mm-hmm. They don't need a quarterback. <laughs> let's let's give it let's give it a sec. Everybody relax. Let's, let's see. I, I'm gonna wait for that. I'm wait for that. I don't, I'm sick of answering that question. <laughs> <I'm holding laughs> right now.
0: All right, so let's go. We we wanted to talk about a couple things because we know that there's so much. Um, looking at just box score, box score. He only did this. He only had this many catches. This guy only had so many yards, not looking at other things that guys do on the field or other impacts that players have. So I think this is an important thing to discuss. And this is something that all football fans can take something away from, not just Packers fans, because this is important stuff when we're talking about watching football. So I'll let, uh, I'll let Simon go first. Um, so we're each going to talk about two things that we think, um, Fans should look at outside of a box score that can tell you the story of a football game.
3: Okay, so uh, the, I don't know if either you. I, I feel like this one's maybe more well noted noted than a lot of others, but time of possession plays a huge game, uh, part in a lot of football games, mm. uh, and I, I feel like it's very a, a little underrated. Wait, did you Did you pick that one too? That,
2: no, that's a good one. I didn't think of that. Wow. That's a very good one, man. So uh,
3: this is – this is, the data is a little older the, from what I looked up, but I, I feel like it's still valid. So for time of possession in the 2016 through 2018 seasons, uh, if you win the time of possession, you win the football game two-thirds of the time, so six, about 66%. If you hold the ball for at least 35 minutes of the game – you win eighty-two percent of the time.
1: Wow! Isn't what that like
3: it, an that isn't that like an incredible stat?
1: What's great about that wow. is what's how do you so, control time of possession? Great defense and a running game. Boop. run the ball. So, yep.
2: And we had hey, welcome wow. to the twenty twenty two Green Bay Packers. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, um, for reference, last year uh, Green Bay led the league in time of possession for 32 minutes a game. Mm. So 32 minutes, 37 seconds time of possession for the game. And they went 13 and 3. Or I'm sorry, 13 and 4. 13 and 4. Excuse me. 13 and 3 in a mulligan game. Yeah, I I don't I don't really count I know Lions fans, whatever, but (laughs) Uh, (laughs) got it. (laughs) But 13 and 4. Like so time of possession plays a huge part in the game. Uh but I thought those like little stats were kind of cool to read uh, about when I was like researching more time of possession.
2: Hey, hey, you want you want to dig at the Lions fans since they keep talking about that game that we lost? How about the year before when we let we left for exactly zero seconds and we got two wins? Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. What's uh, what's kind of funny though, uh,
3: on the opposite spectrum. Uh, Jacksonville had the second least amount of time of possession with 27 minutes and 21 seconds. Well, okay. oh, that, that, that's saying. because
2: they're going three and out for seven of oh. their nine <laughs> possessions.
3: So, if you look at the if you look at the bottom half or like the bottom third of time of possession, you'll see a lot of losing teams in that in that bracket. Um, so that's, yeah, my that's first, a pretty good that's, correlator that's for winning. One. That's a good one. That was, Go ahead, and
0: give your second one right away.
3: Just do both. Oh, okay. Go ahead. So I, I kind of did. I kind of dig. I know this one's kind of a weird stat, but it, me, it's a measurement of how often your defense is scored on. Does uh, okay. so. Hold on, let me bring it up because I did a whole spreadsheet.
0: Um, oh, this guy coming with spreadsheets. Jake and I just come with <laughs> that. Simon comes with a spreadsheet. <laughs> I called
2: it on Wednesday, only two
0: do
2: the Brian going to make me lose my job in this show.
3: Damn
0: it. Where is it?
3: Oh, man. I, I lost it.
0: Um, oh Captain spreadsheet lost his spreadsheet. No, I found okay, it. I I make me, I found make I found a spreadsheet me. to track no. a spreadsheet. Day.
3: It's, it's, de- <laughs> <laughs> it's,
4: uh, it's <laughs> defensive
3: points per 100 yards given up. So oh. the amount of points you give for every 100 yards the opposite offense gives. And it it's kind of interesting. I, I don't know if it really correlates to how good your defense is, but it's kind of an interesting stat. So the way it works is you take the total amount of yards given up, and then you divide it by 100, and then you take that and divide by amount of points, uh, the amount of points given up. Does that make sense? Interesting. So it's kind of interesting how it's how it broke down uh, when I did all the math and stuff. So anything under six is your defense played great. Hmm. So that means that you gave up about six points for every hundred yards that
0: your defense. Gave okay. Up. So that's saying if you allow three hundred yards in a game, if you allow less than eighteen points, that's a good benchmark. Precisely.
3: Yeah. So okay. interesting enough, five five teams gave up less than six yards per hundred yards, or I'm sorry, six points per hundred yards. Yeah. I got you. You right. want to take a guess? I'm going to say teams? Saints. I'm going to say Saints. Saints were close. They were sixth. Oh, <sighs> oh my Patriots? god! I
2: thought they were definitely on there.
3: The Patriots were second. Okay.
2: okay. Buccaneers. Um, uh, Bucks. They're not
1: in the top five. The Bills. The 49ers
2: are are definitely on there. Bills were seventh. They're not in the top five.
3: Chargers? Chargers were really like dead last. The Bucks were ninth. All right, so top five. Seahawks. (laughs) Patriots. Patriots, Chiefs. Broncos. Cowboys.
0: Yeah, Cowboys make sense. They give up a shit ton of yards. Anyone want to take a guess
3: where the Packers landed? Fifteenth, right in the middle. Close. They were eighteenth in the league.
2: Damn it! Eighteenth.
3: Six point six four nine points for every hundred yards given. Yeah. Who wants to take a guess on the last? Bears. Close. Close. They were 29th with seven point five five nine. Oh, also, Lions secondary you, was actually if, okay. you, if you measure above seven, it's bad. That's Vikings. Who was last? No, it was the Panthers. Give up seven, six, seven, seven points. I saw Panthers year. fans
0: say they're winning fifteen games this year because their defense is good. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: you know, this edition like like of that?
2: dumb shit you see on the internet.
3: <laughs> so yeah, I I, just, I I don't know if that really correlates to anything. I heard it's like a huge betting measure, though. If you—if you plan on mm. betting on teams, to uh, bet it's on over/unders, good. yeah. It's, it's a really interesting uh, metric
0: hmm. that is I, interesting.
3: I, I don't know if it really correlates I'm gonna to write how, it I'm gonna write it down I'll keep an eye on it yeah how the uh, how your defenses really match up to how most people look at it but I saw it was an interesting stat and I, I, I broke it all out and I thought it was just kind of fun to look at
2: <laughs> all right so looks like it's my turn again uh, two things to look at outside of the box score. the first thing I don't know if it really counts, but I'm going to say it anyways because I know everybody's fucking thinking it. And I put special teams. And no, I'm not talking about field goals and <laughs> average. I want to see people literally know how to run in a straight line and another human being. I want to see people know how to block down on a field goal so it doesn't get blocked in a critical divisional playoff game against a team that's literally What do you mean we had Tyler there.
1: Lancaster there to block? That was the that, perfect.
2: <laughs> I'm almost there. This is where I mentioned Lancaster, okay? Why the f- is that gigantic son of a bitch blocking on the edge? His big ass needs to be inside, okay? So nobody can jump up and block a punt. I'm so sick and tired of special teams and defense. And we've obviously been giving lots of love to the defense because it's going to be improved off of what it already was improved. But I'm so sick of special teams and defense costing Rodgers games. And his playoff record is bad. And he's killing Rodgers. And people don't look at the team aspect of things. Teams has cost Rogers plenty of times. We're not going to go down that road because I've been there and I don't feel like I'm yeah. hurting myself right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I just want to see people understand their blocking assignments on field goals on punts. Understand their kick coverage on on um, kicks and punts. That, that I'm looking for the little thing. Really, I don't want people returning the ball to the forty religiously. Okay. I I just don't. I'm just sick and tired of it. The second thing. No, this one's a little bit more. Interesting to me, is Rogers Rogers and Lafleur's ability to use all three facets of the offense. So you're like, how's the three facets? There's run game, there's pass game. Now if you could buy them, there's a play action game. And me and my man Tyler, love the play action. And Rodgers is easily one of the best at play action. He fakes out the cameraman, dude. This guy is a legend. Um, you know, you have a power back in A.J. Dillon. You have a receiver running back and Aaron Jones. We have the speed with Watson and Romeo Dubs. We have possession receivers with Cobb, with with Lazard. And I think Watkins is more of a possession receiver at this point of his career. You bring in all the tight ends, Robert Tony can really control the middle of that field. He's also a great blocker. If you remember, he destroyed Nick Bosa three times in one game earlier in the game. Yeah. So there's just a lot of ways for us to, to attack defense. And I want the play action to really, really be utilized this year. I would love for us to go back and use more of the jet sweep. That's why I was bringing it up earlier, because I was really thinking about the jet sweep. Kind of get the defense's eyes moving side to side. And I brought up the snap percentage before with 57% pass and 43% uh, with the run. I would like to see that even down a little bit more. I'm not talking crazy numbers. I would like to see 55-45. Give the ball to the running backs a little bit more. Even if a pass is just a little dump off to, to A.J. Dillon, I told you before on his snaps, his total snaps, he averaged five yards a touch. What's wrong with just getting five yards after that on first down? After that, you're at second and five. Now you got two downs to go get five yards. You're telling me that we don't ever see go get five yards? We can't run the ball and get five yards. Let's do 55-45. Let Rodgers the LaFleur figure this thing out. And like I said earlier, LaFleur is really going to open this puppy up. I think we're going to see a lot of his creativity spur this year, and I'm very, very excited for that.
1: The thing about the Tanyan blocking Bosa thing is this Tanyan is getting that from Bosa's teammate, right, Kittle, because they always work yep. together.
4: <laughs> so, and I'll, you know, I'll take about I'll that,
1: that in my – yeah, I can segue that to my two things, because the first thing I was going to talk about is blocking. Can't, I mean, there's not much you can say about blocking, right? It takes effort and the willingness to do it, right? You see people that are just like, I'm not doing that because I don't want to get hurt or, I, you know, I got to protect my assets. But then you see how many times have you heard LaFleur say in his offense, if you cannot block, you will not be on the field. And this is why people are like, we were all talking about the wide receivers that we go sign and stuff. And then when they signed Sammy Watkins, people are like, what the heck? He's like I think he was I can't remember the stats, so I might be wrong. But I think I think he was number two. I think he was the number two blocking mm-hmm. wide receiver in the league. Yeah. And he's been a really strong blocker. Yep. You talk about the- I've I've
0: seen yeah. the stat that you're talking about. Because yeah. Lazard got- is like number four in there, I think. Yeah.
1: yeah. So now we got what two of the top four best wide blocking wide receivers. Uh yep. don't forget everyone's like, well, you know, maybe, maybe Watson was their target all along because, like I said, he came from a block-first offense, and one of the mm-hmm. things he stood out with at the Senior Bowl was his blocking ability. I looked up a couple plays. You see him pin the wide receiver, and then he turns him his back towards him and puts him on the the sideline as the the running back or the receiver runs into the end zone. So, and then you got Lewis DeGuara, and then you have all the offensive line we have, right? So. That alone, it's just like the importance for maybe. It, I mean, it's important all the way across the league, right? You can't you can't gain yards if people aren't blocking, right? There's one person with the ball or two on any given play, unless it's a gimmick play. It's the quarterback, and then see the running back or wide receiver. Everyone else is blocking somebody or running a clear route, maybe, right? So that's that like that's a huge part of it, and the fact that our coaching staff put so much like into it, emphasis. even to the point where they're like, yeah, emphasis even to the point that's deciding which wide receivers they take or look at that's huge. Right. Because those little things, yeah. like if, if Watkins now makes a, a great block on an end around to Aaron Jones, that springs him for a 50 yard run that maybe, you know, MVS couldn't have held that block. That's huge for us. Right. Like that's, that's just adds like an extra little key piece. That's not going to show up. It's not going to show up that Watkins made that block, but yeah. it's a huge thing.
2: Yeah. The absolutely.
1: The second well, one feeds into our. Our sorry, go ahead. No, I was
2: just, gonna we're say, just going to say. disagreeing with you. <laughs> yeah. The Lombardi days, where you say you got a seal here, you got a seal here, and you credit alley. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Pretty much as
2: simple as that, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. And then the second one is. Um, I've seen people were complaining about this in groups, and it just got me thinking like oh, I, they weren't uneducated or something, because they're like, "Well, Jair's not a top cornerback because he doesn't have interceptions." So the stat I'm going to talk about is the lack of targets uh, again.
3: I remember that I was
0: I Why was do we <laughs> <guy? laughs>
4: so Dude,
0: people thought Trayvon Diggs was an MVP candidate cuz he had like 9 interceptions but allowed yeah, like 10 so, trillion exactly. yards. He so allowed, I looked like, at
3: the most yards over like the last three seasons or some shit. So where, like, it was ridiculous.
1: The lack of tar- the lack of targets, right? Like so Jair Alexander, let me find my stats here. So we'll talk about 2020, and, and Simon talked about this, right? He had 485 routes defended. He had 84 targets. So you're already looking at what 20%? Not even 20% they're targeting him. Only 45 receptions allowed. So he's la- that's like 10% catch rate, right? And he had he had 13 passes defended to boot, and like so 17 per- So he's targeting on 17.3% of his routes defended, and he allowed less than 10% complete. The thing is with him. Um, it was 5.4, like you said, but per um, per reception was 10 yards. What that tells me is, and just to put that in perspective, what we we're talking about Trayvon Diggs. Everyone's like, oh, he's so great. So, um, Jair Alexander, they had similar numbers of targets, a loud percentage, everything. Jair's yards per reception was 10 yards. Trayvon Diggs was 20. It was like 19.7. That tells me Oof. he's getting burned a lot. And what's happening with Jair is they're having to run quick little out routes or quick little. Turn around yep. just to get a reception on him and then he's probably making the tackle down the field so the Ouch. fact you know so so he was seventh in the Ouch. league for like 10 yards per reception so he's not letting up the big plays you know what i mean so nobody gets actually, behind him So exactly so people are saying like oh well he doesn't have interceptions well you know what he's doing he's shutting down a third of the field because you have what your left side your middle and your right side right you could say he shut down half the field if you want to play one, two, two quarterback, but I, I'll i look at him more as a third because you still have slot receivers and everyone running up the middle, right? But he's shutting down a third of that field to where that quarterback, Kirk Cousins or whoever, you know, is the best aside, you know, aside from Rodgers, let's just use Kirk Cousins. He's the second best quarterback easily in the North. Yep. yep. He can only look to that side of that, that third of that field, maybe 10% of the game and hope to And it's it. going to be
0: his first read every time too.
1: Exactly. So he's instantly shutting that down. <laughs> Now, the fact that he's not getting the targets, you want to rail on him for not having a bunch of interceptions. I'll tell you what, if he's an all pro and he finishes his career with 10 targets because he can't target and no one can complete on him, fine. I don't care. And I get you, bet you he doesn't care because he just signed the biggest contract and as a cornerback ever or whatever uh, it was. That, that ties in do.
0: perfectly, too, with Simon's yeah. stat about um, the, the, the tight window. That ties in yeah. perfectly with that.
2: Yeah. So I don't Why would you that? want to throw
0: to somebody yeah. being guarded that, that close? Exactly. I mean, t-
2: do it. Yeah. I mean, you, so you and, guys know that seventy percent of all passes are on the right side of the field. So having Jair Alexander on a side where seventy percent of the passes are going is already a strength for this defense.
1: Yeah. Think about that. So, so I don't want to hear this. Like, if if he can't be targeted and he doesn't, and it, yeah, he probably gets irritated because he ain't getting the work. But he might see five targets a game, not even. You know what I mean? Like, so, and he's gonna defend what probably it's like 25% or 15 or 20% passes thrown his way. He defended. And then he only allowed completion on like right around 50, of them, 50% of them. So he so, might let two or three catches a game. Like, like that's, that's great. That's outstanding. So that, that's a but,
0: shutdown corner.
1: Exactly. So the stat I want to say is like the fact that they're not targeting him. There's a reason they're not targeting him because they can't complete against them. And they have mm-hmm. to do little quick outs or whatever, and, and if they want to dink and dunk on us and try to beat Jair on a bunch of comeback routes and everything all day long, fine. Whatever. That's so where you can, can see, how like, well just
2: it is to run a screen against him. Ask him how that worked out. Oh, <laughs> dude, I, out that's well. that one of so my favorite plays ever. It was so, so 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 He ran two wings over a one play. The guy's 5'10, <laughs> a buck 50. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, that's where you could see something like, like Bryant is saying about having the low targets or having high targets but short yardage. That's where you could see, say, use Justin Jefferson as an example. Or he could have, say, six receptions, but for 55 yards because everything is close to the line because that's the only place you can really get him open is to target him close to the line. Um, So for me, looking at things outside of the box score, um, one is, Jake kind of touched on it already, is using the run to set up the pass. So obviously you can see... Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon's stats in the game for their yards per carry, how many carries, how many yards. Um, what goes a little bit unnoticed and is underrated as far as you know, what happens in a game is the the yards that don't really gain yards. So you get the rushes that gain a yard, two yards, that start to wear down the defense, and then they start to break some of those yards into four, five, six-yard chunks, and then the defense has to bring an extra guy into the box. And that's where those one-on-ones get set on the outside, and that's where Rodgers looks to target. So the, you know, not necessarily having a high yards per carry, but still having a high total of carries does still affect the offense, even if a guy has 10 carries for 50 yards. Obviously that's five yards a carry, say 10 carries for 35 yards. That's a low yards per carry, but it helps set up the offense, especially using play action. That's why I love using play action because the Packers just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, both guys who are very capable, not only in the running game, but in the passing game. And then Christian Watson is out there who's faster than 95% of the league getting a one-on-one with a corner, and there are not a lot of strong secondaries in the NFC North. No. So you're I mean, getting a one-on-one with Christian Watson on the outside with a bunch of, I would say average at best secondaries. The Lions I think have a couple guys with some potential in their secondary, but nobody in the Vikings secondary outside of maybe Harrison Smith, who's not getting any younger or any less injury prone. And on the Bears, none of their none of their secondary concerns me as much as they want to say that Jalen Johnson is a, a top whatever corner.
3: Yeah, I, I like Jalen Johnson. That's I mean, just me. Yeah, I think he's yeah, a solid he's not, he's
1: player. He's, he's a solid player. He's, he's, he's the not, best player on a crap team.
3: Yeah, he's not in
0: He's not in Jair Alexander's team. No, nah, not by any no, no. means. As, as, as much as Bears fans will put there.
2: Yeah, I think he's better than Stokes, in my opinion. Just throwing that out there. They're, they're close, but I would take Stokes. Oh,
0: I'd take Stokes. Okay. Yeah. So... My next one, I'm pretty passionate about this one. i got to take a deep breath. Here we go. I'm sitting back. I'm
2: sitting back. This is going to be good. Okay.
0: Fantasy football is not a good measure of football performance. I don't give a shit how many fantasy points your guy put up. That doesn't automatically mean he's a good fucking football player. Stop. Talking about fantasy football in football debates—that's like bringing up a guy's fucking two K or Madden rating when you're having a discussion <laughs> with someone. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I brought this up last year because this this very same point came up was because oh my god, it's fucking irritated the shit out of me. <laughs> MV, MVS scored a long touchdown. He scored like a seventy-five yard touchdown late in the game, and he had one other catch for like five yards. So I brought it up that I'm like, MBS, he needs to be more consistent. He needs to be more prevalent. He needs to be more involved. And the person on the other side of the argument was like, oh, yeah, well, he had like 18 fantasy points. Yeah, because he had two catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, that's great. That's two fucking catches in 60 minutes. I don't give a shit how many fantasy points he
3: had. He needs to be more involved. <laughs>
2: I really wanted you
3: to let it loose. It's the worst for quarterbacks, too. I've seen That is the worst when people use quarterback fantasy points to make an (sighs) argument in a football debate. God, I hate that
0: shit. Fantasy football has no bearing on actual football. Like, yes, I understand that fantasy football is calculated from football, but it doesn't work in reverse. Football leads to fantasy points. Fantasy points do not lead to football
1: good way to put it. I like that. You mean in a PPR where he has 10 catches for 14 yards and gets, you know, I yards? Yeah, get 24 point yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> All
0: right. That was my two. Um, the last two things we want to talk about are two things that um, that we've seen a lot pop up in, in fans' discussions. So these are things that fans have been talking about, whether it be in Facebook groups, um, whether it be on any sort of various social media interactions that we've had. Um, so I'll I'll kick back to Simon. I'll let him give his two. Um, what are two things that, are, that people are talking about that you want to talk about?
2: First, right. before you go, uh, um, yeah, go first Mike Brasso pitch for the Brewers tonight, Tyler. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm so mad I missed that. But anyway. <laughs> I don't
3: know what that means. I don't. I don't he, he's a third I, base baseball. baseball. Yeah, position. Oh, player. <laughs> I love that shit. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. So I'll start off with kind of a positive one. And I feel like we kind of talked about this a lot tonight, so I'm not going to hammer on it too much. Uh, Man, it's it's almost disheartening. And I feel like some of it's kind of trolling because of the groups we're in and the things we see. But people are acting like the Packers offense is just not going to score this year. I I I, <laughs> I couldn't just I am serious. I've seen so many posts Ugh. that just, uh, I've seen like Minnesota fans especially are just like, "Oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to get shut down week one." I I just can't.
1: I, <laughs> 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 You're a rookie wide receiver. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I'm probably, not. Gonna, I'm not gonna. I'm not
3: gonna harp too much on you know yeah. Vikings fans oh, inflating their players, but. Like, it, it's like just. Like, they do their dolls.
1: Look, at the end of the day,
3: the, this team. <laughs> Jake wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> the I how it now it. Now um, <laughs> um, uh, Look, uh, at the end of the day, d- will this offense take a step back? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe. I'm not even for certain. Uh, and I, I know it's not a humongous sample size, but since 2019, the Packers are 7-0 without Devontae Adams. They've averaged almost four touchdowns a game, 22.7 first downs, uh, almost 32 points per game, and almost 400 yards per game. So uh, it's just – I like it, all bl- of those numbers. <laughs> it blows my mind that people think with an MVP quarterback – one of the best running back duos, if not the best, I'll I'll take Cleveland over it. But you might, you know, I, I it's hard to you know really uh, argue with anyone else. Maybe the Colts, uh, I don't know. I don't but, know if they're they, second. Maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. Hines is a decent catching. He, he's yeah. a good uh, receiving back. He's good. Yeah, whatever. Guy. Anyways, uh, the point is like. It's just so hard to believe that they're going to fall off that hard throughout the year. And I know we have a lot of guys in the wide receiver room, but Matt LaFleur is still – he's still a good – he's a good coach. And he's going to make – he's going to find ways to get these guys open. He's an offensive-minded guy yes. too. And and there was a stat a couple of years ago, and uh, Devontae Adams may play a part in this, but he – his wide receivers had the most separation against guys. Mm. I I can't remember the exact, the exact uh, stat. I I have to go back and look for it, but it it just, there's no way this offense is going to be, yeah, please. Uh, There's no way this, this team is going to be a top 10 offense guaranteed. I will guarantee that Sands.
0: Basically based on Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy proved it for five years after Going 15 and one, that I offense.
3: this is just another year in Matt LaFleur's offense, and they get to get a little more creative without Devontae Adams. They get a little different packages out there, they get to try to, uh, different things with guys that have different skill sets. And this will heavily, in my okay, so kind of taking a negative connotation to this, this is heavily going to involve Rodgers buying into this. No mm-hmm. Devontae Adams, too, mm-hmm. and it, for a whole season. Right? I want to see
0: the fan base do the same thing, honestly. Fans yeah. are so locked into the we need a yeah. wide receiver one yeah. instead of having, say,
3: five wide receiver twos. And that, and that goes into what I've been saying this whole offseason is I don't think we're going to have that wide receiver one guy. We're not going to have mm-hmm. a guy with a 1,000 yards receiving. You're gonna have. We could have five guys with six hundred, though, and and that's fully what I expect. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the guys that I've been doing kind of predictions for and how they I see them working out and stuff are gonna end around like five six hundred yards, or I'm sorry, excuse me, five to seven hundred yards receiving, and I'm Mm -hmm. perfectly fine with that. Yeah, we we don't need that guy
0: this year. We like that's what like I just said, like we don't need necessarily a wide receiver one. Fans are so locked into we need a guy Devontae Adams, a Jordy Nelson, a Donald Driver. You know, they're so locked into the having that one guy, the guy, that the the process of potentially having say five wide receivers wide. We haven't seen that since what two thousand twelve. Yeah. Having potentially five receivers wide and not knowing who the ball is going to. Whereas and, if there's uh, two wide receivers out there and it's Lazard and Adams, like you can probably bet that 75% of the time that the ball is
3: going to Devontae Adams. Yeah. And the other thing too is like we got guys rolling in like Newman and Myers are in an- another year in that offensive line <clears> too. <throat> and I, I think they'll bo- – like this offensive line I think is going to be rock solid. Um, and deep. Well, if he, yeah, and deep too. Um, so, yeah, that just – I don't know. I, I can't get on board with the thought process of thinking this offense is just going to take a fucking nosedive this year. <laughs> yeah, I, it back it. Back, I don't MVP. get it. I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So that, that's kind of my.
1: finish with five people with the, the nut yards you're talking about, but Aaron Rodgers hits his normal like 40, 200 yards, 35 touchdowns, yeah. and a few mm-hmm. picks, does anyone really – go ahead and laugh about the fact that we didn't have a wide receiver over the yards. Okay, I don't care. We'll be thirteen and four, or whatever we end up. We'll be in the playoffs, and your team will be at home, and you can hope we lose again. So you have something to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I just,
3: yeah, I, I don't get it. And I know a lot of it is trolling, but
2: I know there's some people out there that just,
1: don't
0: oh know, that yeah, that believe
2: they believe the Packers. Yeah, they're all. That's why you have to take it like with a grain of salt, because you never I know if people are trolling or if I try stupid. You know, yeah. I try to as well, but I respond to every person a certain way. Like I respond, like, "Are you being serious? Are you trolling? You know, just." To yeah out and I can usually tell by that next comment if they believe it and the people that believe it I'm just like I'm leaving you alone
3: because so that's that's kind of what I do I go in there with a logical argument Mm -hmm. and it depends on what they come back with yeah whether or not I engage them too much I can't I'm gonna say online some guy I was arguing with earlier Said some stuff
2: and I was like, "All right, man, have a good night."
3: <laughs> so the best
2: program. On live, us Packers fans yeah. do not claim Brandon Todd. We do yeah, not nope. claim Brandon Todd. It is eighteen wheeler. I no, don't want hear his, that. We don't claim. What's him.
3: his troll account too? Is that is Richard King guy? guy? Yeah,
2: that's, that's the King one. <laughs> every time he out, he's like, "No, me and Richard are friends." I'm like, "Go live with Richard," then he. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Uh,
0: I'm not saying that I'm Batman, but you've never seen me and Batman in the same room before.
3: <laughs> so that's uh that was my first thing. Um so maybe on a less of a high note, and maybe this is just me trying not to buy too hard into it, is I, I feel like we're getting out of hand with the defensive expectations. And I, I know I, I know we're all excited for what this defense could be, and I, I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces to be excited over, right? But we're also talking about a defense that was 13th in points per game. So to expect them to go from 13 to second, and I, the other thing too is I know it's really hard to predict defenses and where they fluctuate year in and year out too. But to me, second seems a little a little much. And I'm trying to hold my expectations a little bit. And like I, if they're second, Yes, please. Give me more. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like that's a little rich for myself.
1: The internet doesn't need to know your dick size, son. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go after
3: that. Right. I want to go after something. All right. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, so th- that's kind of it for me. And the other thing that kind of scares me, too, is um, I, I know Jake and I uh, kind of got this thing where I'm more scared of safety depth than I am outside linebacker depth. But I feel like that's kind of the Achilles heel of what this defense could be. Because Savage has missed games. Uh, And who's behind him? We lost Shannon Sullivan in free agency to the Vikings. So behind him is – it kind of scares me a little bit. It was. outside linebacker – outside linebacker depth does scare me a little bit. But uh, Enigvare, I mean, he had – he – he has the tools, right? He he could be a good developmental piece, yep. but I'm not sold on Rand, Randy Ramsey or um, I forget the other guy's name uh, Garvin Garvin or Yeah, like I'm not sold on any of those guys coming in and starting a game for us either. So if we start losing guys to these injuries and stuff, this defense starts taking a little bit of hit on some really high weakness areas. So that's where that's where I struggle. Uh, I still predict. A top 10 defense, I think it realistically, if they take a step forward, I think it's more like five to eight, somewhere in that range.
1: Yeah, I've always been on the number like if healthy, we should probably be around five. Um, But I think if if those if those rookies like come and show out, that's where you can get Trey Sterling
0: was a guy that I saw that they were really high on as an undrafted guy, Trey Sterling is the guy that I'm going to kind of keep an eye on. Um, Looking at Alex Spillum from coastal Carolina, he's another safety. They signed um, as an undrafted rookie. I like, I like what I see on tape from him. Obviously it's not a guarantee that that college tape transfers to the NFL, but I think as far as depth is concerned, um, that's an option. Um, I want to throw this out to you guys as a potential possibility for safety depth. A guy who has been kind of right on the cusp of making the roster at cornerback the last few years, what about potentially using KB on Ento as safety depth?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's I know a possibility. The it's Vernon Scott. That's the third corner, by the way. Safety? The third safety. Third that's, safety. that's the third safety. Yeah. He's been on the, the team for a couple of years now, I believe, unless he was a rookie last year. I don't remember exactly. Oh, a but years PCU. Yeah, he's, he's the guy that's going to be the next guy up. And then yeah. I believe there's a the guy, Sean I Davis. thought there was another.
1: Yeah, that was the one that was. They're the really team. high on him, I've heard. Yeah. Like, I yeah. heard he's looked good. So, yeah, so that, that'll just be a Henry question line. mark. That
0: might be something to keep an eye on in preseason. Uh, yeah. We're going to do probably two more shows before the preseason even starts. Um, so that might be so that might be something that Simon brings up again in a couple of weeks to watch for his, his safety depth. So and, All
2: right. yeah, me, me and, Simon and Simon was definitely looking at my goddamn paper, okay, because we have the same goddamn two things people are talking about. <laughs> and I am more excited about the defense than you, but, you know, the improved defense, it's definitely something that I've been talking about the entire offseason because I'm sick of the of talking about Aaron Rodgers. But then again, I type something up and I talk about Aaron Rodgers. So here we are, 2022 Green Bay Packers. Improved defense, here we go. Better rotation up front is definitely going to be something that I'm super excited mm. for. I love hitting the quarterback. It's my favorite thing in the entire world when you hit something, and you hear the air compress out of them. Nothing better than that, by the way, when you listen to a human soul leave their body. So more athleticism in the linebacker is also something that I love. You know, having a guy like, like Rashawn Gary, here's my prediction, by the way. His floor, and that you guys are going to probably freak out. his floor for me is 12 sacks. If he doesn't get at least 12 sacks, I'm going to look at it as a little bit of a disappointment. We just handed this man the keys to the car. Drive that son of a bitch, okay? He leads <laughs> by example. Now, you know, and one thing that I heard that he said to Quay Walker, he told him when you call the play, you call it loud. So he's already showing teaching people how to be a leader by being a leader in a certain way. My ceiling for him is 17 sacks. I really physically believe that he could be a guy that can go up there and get 15 plus up to 17 sacks. I really believe in Rashawn Gary. His work ethic, good things happen to people that work hard. Look at Giannis at a mm-hmm. That's all i yep. say. We talk
0: about effort all the time. Never we never fault do. effort. And, so Rashawn Gary is, he, is he's a the guy that gives example. effort, right?
1: Everybody's um, he's a bust. <laughs> yeah, that,
2: that's what I heard, and I know I talked about it earlier. But do you guys remember the years with with Gunter's our number one corner, and oh, we got to Kevin King. Still we still traded up. down from, you know, still T.J. Up. Watt. We got to Kevin King. Look at our defensive back. Oh, dude, absolutely horrible. He was he was bound to get cooked by Julio Jones. That's all I'm gonna say. Oh yeah, that was a nasty. So two things I looked at, and Tyler's gonna love me for this: is third down percentage. We were twenty third in the NFL. 2% of the time, we gave up third down conversions. That is awful. awful. That I is something that. that absolutely needs to change if this defense is going to take the next step. And the last thing is we had 49 red zone, and I know it was really bad at the beginning of the season. Yeah. We had 49 red zone attempts against us. 33 of the 49, so 67% of the time, they were, score- they were touchdown scored. That's 30th in the entire league. Ugh. If they improve on both of those things and even get them, say, Sixteenth, twelfth, sixteenth in that range, we're gonna be scary on defense. But third down percentage definitely the one because you know we, we gotta don't have get a, off
0: the field. That could have, have solved the that could have solved the playoff game. They could we have, have really just could gotten have. off the field, they would have had a chance to win
3: the game. Hey that that kinda goes with my stat too, right? The the uh points per hundred yards.
2: Yep. Yeah, that
3: that goes with that. So if we that uh the percentage of red zone touchdowns.
2: 67% dude. Yeah, that's, that's disgusting. That yeah, that's, is awful. That's terrible. Um, I remember how excited everybody was when we got our first stop in the red zone. Which I am just kind of like, mm, that's kind of sad. I'm not sure. Which was that. in like week six. <laughs> yeah, it was horrible. And then we had like three stops in one game. I was like, you right? bastard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My last one is Rodgers without Devonte Adams. So I looked at it a little bit different perspective than Isaac. did, Or not Isaac, Jesus, Simon. I'm looking at Isaac's name here. Close. Um, I have his stats, his averages without Devontae. He has 11 games in his career since 2014 without Devontae Adams. He averages 20.4 completions thirty on 30 attempts, so he's still completing 12 passes, 67%, yep. 250 yards, and 112.7 quarterback rating. He has 24 touchdowns to three interceptions. I think he's okay, everybody, without with Devontae Adams. That's eight to every exception, which is pretty much going to be his career average. Is that good?
3: <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's, <laughs>
2: good. it's all right. Is that good? Is that good? And, and and by the way, if I talk to one more goddamn Packer fan, it's like, I wish Aaron Rodgers would adopt Brett Favre's mindset and throw the ball a little bit more. Shut the hell up! I don't know. <laughs> I
3: honestly, I, I hate I that. Have a, I have a really good stat like, I for that. It doesn't too. matter. The uh, the whole Aaron Rodgers doesn't take risks thing remind me to go search for that. I had a really good stat for
1: that. I'll
0: remind you, Brian. What are you uh, What are you looking at about fans that are talking about stuff?
1: So, I'm not in too many just Packer groups, so mine will ruffle a little more feathers because it's like you know versus other teams in the North, and that's fine by me. And the first one is the best running back duo in the NFC. Oh mm. yeah, baby! Oh, mm. and I hate to tell you, but it's the Green Bay Packers. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you that Dalvin Cook is the better, best overall running back if he's healthy and on the field. Right. But the gap between Aaron Jones and Dalvin Cook is much smaller than the gap between A.J. Dillon and Alexander Madison, right? So Simon put these, put these numbers out before, but I won't get into all the rushing attempts and everything, but just know that um, – Total yards, because you might want to say, oh, well, receiving yards don't matter for a running back. Really? It's a running back producing, right? It doesn't matter where they produce from. Um, total yards for Madison and Dalvin Cook, 2,100 and two yards, 10 touchdowns. Okay. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, 2,300 yards and 17 touchdowns. So they almost doubled them in touchdowns. Okay. So this idea that Dalvin Cook is enough to put Dalvin Cook in – Alexander Madison, who, mind you, averaged 3.7 yards per carry last year when he had a heavier workload, so he didn't play as well. That, like, if he did that again, you're talking about not playing in the league, to be honest. Yeah, I don't care what scary. you say about the offensive line. And and this idea that, oh, yeah, I know we talked about, we touted our offensive line earlier, but look at, like, it kills me because last year, look at the players we didn't have. We might win a so We had four all our Pro Bowl plus players missing but we had two of them on our offensive line a majority of the year. Elton Jenkins and Devin Bakhtiari. Don't tell me it's because our offensive line is so much better. It's not my fault your team sucks at drafting. Okay? So, (laughs) like... That's true. So, So, miss me me with this running back deal. And one more thing I want to ruffle a few feathers with is Vikings better be careful because I would say that the Detroit Lions are closer to passing the Vikings, and the Vikings are closer to passing the Packers. Because um, Swift and Jamal Williams...
0: It, it all depends they on Swift's a, health, in yeah. my opinion. They yeah. missed
1: a lot of games last year, but they had 1,827 yards, and they had the same amount of touchdowns as the Vikings.
3: So going back yeah. to the Vikings versus Packers thing, uh, as far as the offensive line goes to, because I kind of looked at that aspect of it as well. Last year, per PFF, in offensive line ranks, we had the 16th, I believe, and they had the 18th. So it was pretty – it was pretty close. So if you want to make that argument, you can kind of get out of my face with that shit. I believe and I've just,
0: seen the Vikings are returning four or five starters on their offensive line as well. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and Jones had, had Jones averaged the same yards per attempt. He didn't have as many attempts, obviously, but both Jones and Dalvin Cook averaged four point seven yards per attempt. Bat Madison three point seven. AJ Dillon four point three. Yeah. yeah. And Dalvin the Cook's a better Robert fantasy
0: football and, running back, yeah. now.
1: And then, the OJ, yeah. <laughs> and then A.J. Dillon, right? A.J. Dillon, our second running back, had as many catches as Dalvin Cook, their first running back.
0: Ooh. So the, okay. the That's interesting. And
3: the other thing that Vikings fans like to bring up about this is, oh, Rodgers uh, attempted more passes to him, so therefore they had more receiving yards and more whatever. The only difference was 20. Twenty attempts. And yeah, let's be honest, both though. of Kurt, them, Kurt which is what
1: one a week. On
3: yeah, that's pretty close. It's, Honestly,
1: yeah, it's
2: it's it's, close. Down. it's minuscule. I agree. Yeah.
1: And then the second one is I'm just so sick of Bears fans that I'm so sick of <laughs> hearing I them. thought you were gonna
3: stop there.
1: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sick I'm of them Bears too. Fans <laughs> talking about Justin Fields, okay? Stop telling us that he's making these great improvements and everything. Go touch some grass pull up Google and email it or Google it. Okay. You're going to find out that he's struggling. Okay. He is struggling. So he's still forcing throws and how we talked about how bad the Bears secondary and defense was earlier. Right. One of the storylines was, was literally, well, at least the bears defense looked better. Well, that's because your quarterback sucks.
4: Okay. <laughs>
1: Not good. So he's still forcing plays. He's throwing interceptions. The, their big thing was his footwork looks better, okay. And then the the as, you know, if you listen to Bears fans, they have this great wide receiver core. Where the articles, all the articles I read, were talking about his lack of weapons. Okay, and that's why he I, was saw, I saw I okay? saw a uh,
0: Pro Football Focus ranking that had the Texans ranked 30th for wide receiver core. The Packers ranked 31st, I've and the that. Bears ranked 32nd. Yep. And
1: and Darnell Mooney is a nice wide receiver, but he is not a number one. He's a solid number two on any yep, other, other team. Okay, he would so, as far as
0: tiers are concerned, he would be in the same tier as Alan Lazard. So yeah. we're arguing over which one of those two is better. Honestly, they're very similar.
3: Yeah, but Mooney
0: produced right.
3: in fantasy last year. Lazard didn't.
1: So do and that. then <laughs> the other thing, the last thing I want to talk about throw, is they want to blame you. they want to blame Nagy's <laughs> offense and stuff and yeah, he sucked. But who's their offense coordinator now? Luke Getze. Who's Luke Getze used to be working with? Someone named Aaron Rodgers who can run any playbook, anything you want them to do. Right. And they've already came out and basically Justin Fields himself said that they would not be ready to play a game tomorrow. So that tells you he's not picking up the offense. So now Luke gets, he runs a complex offense and they have, they're running into a quarterback that is struggling, picking it up and running the offense. So what's, that's going to create. It's going to create like, they're going to run a vanilla offense. And then when they run into a defense, like the green Bay Packers, or even the Vikings who might have an improved defense this year, which they're going to – that's four of their games this year, right?
0: On they're going to have to run yeah. a
1: freaking vanilla offense. And he struggles with picking up like – when they, he, he, they said that he was struggling with what the Bears defense was throwing at him. The Bears defense sucks. What's going <laughs> to happen when he comes to freaking Green Bay, Lambeau Field, week two, and we're blitzing Quay Walker up the middle and Sean Gary out the side and Devondre Campbell – you know, drops back into a coverage and you expect it's going to be a pick six. Like, like, so the fact like that last year it, he's struggling and yeah, exactly. The fact that he's struggling to pick up this offense and he's. still, I've seen one video where he threw the ball and it was like, just, it was awful. <laughs> like it, like it was like wobbly and like felt like 10 years short. And I was like, I don't know what happened there, but um he, uh, they're, in, they're in de- denial. And it's probably because a lot of the posts I'm seeing is from, um, Paul Merkel, who just never shuts up and he's like a bad oh. gauge, oh, but, there's some of they just, but I keep seeing about how great field is going to be. And I just don't feel like they're in touch with reality right now. And they're not actually reading the headlines. They're just saying what they want to believe because what everyone is talking about, the media and everything is that he's still struggling. It's only the bears fans that think, Oh, great. So, and all you hear about is if he's been a bit more vocal leader. Yeah. Well, his, him being a vocal leader basically said his wide receivers suck. So I mean, tell me how that's working for him. That's, yeah, some, dude, hope that's some hope. That's, right the bus, that's I all hope I have to say right about that. There. I'm just sick of Bears fans. They're gonna win four games maybe and they should be happy with that. And they might be looking at another quarterback next year. I got two things. Andrew, all these
0: Bears fans are mostly on Facebook, is where they are. Yep. <laughs> in yep. Facebook groups.
1: I just I just like to envision Devontae Wyatt and Kenny Clark sandwiching Justin Fields and just squishing him. I actually I feel bad for this right
2: sh- human being, Justin Fields, but he has a Bears helmet on, so fuck that guy. Okay, yeah. well, I hope he <laughs> I <was laughs> <a bad laughs> to Ohio State before that. Yeah, I hope he dies at midfield. I hope he just turns into two half bodies
1: at <laughs> midfield. I don't give a what's shit. That? What, what's that? What's uh, that? Remember the Titans? Not remember the Titans? Uh, the <laughs> right, replacements. Replacements? No, where he's like cut in half. But <laughs> probably <laughs> I can't remember.
2: Now, there's the movie guy. Yeah. I- he probably knows. I don't, know. I
0: don't know. Maybe we're talking about the replacements where Falco it's dives a- for the end zone at the end of the game and he gets spun around. I might be oh, you talking, talking about a scary a movie or something.
3: No, it was not another team movie. <laughs> oh, there we go. He, where he
2: rips cut the, the ass. Ass. <laughs> I hope that happens to Justin Fields. Yeah, Ohio oh, State, funny. too. Screw that guy, seriously. Um, one, they watch the practice highlights, and that's probably why Bears fans still think Eddie Jackson is worth yeah. watching at all because oh, he's yeah. not. He sucks. Um, you can go back to 2020 highlight video uh, of Robert Hunyon absolutely cooking him one on one. That was one of my favorite plays of that season. Um, two, <laughs> do you guys remember the video that I showed you guys of Justin Fields throwing a pass to the running back out of the back? Yep. Like Justin Fields made a crazy throw. First of all, it was six yards. Oh, it was yeah. Still whopping. <laughs> still whopping. You know what Justin Fields really is? is? He's another fast guy who can throw the ball yep. far. I don't care about any of that. Can you understand everything up here? Can you read the defense? You know, I brought this up to a Bears fan a couple weeks ago. I said, I would rather have Chad Pennington over some fields. And Chad Pennington couldn't jump on the damn curb, okay? I don't care about your athleticism. He was accurate, and he understood NFL playbook. I'll take that it's 100 a, times over 100.
0: It's a bad situation where you actually have to consider. You have to sit down, look at numbers, and consider – when asking if you'd rather have Justin Fields or Davis Mills. It's not just an easy answer to be like, oh, I'd rather have Justin Fields, 100%. It's not even an easy answer.
1: Luke gets yeah. he probably cries himself to sleep at night knowing left Aaron Rodgers.
2: <laughs> Bro, you know his ass is lying, too. He said, oh, I'm so proud of how far he's grown. Uh, higher, you have to say that because you're you know, microphones in your
0: face, you bastard. Yeah. As far as as far as Valus Jones is concerned, I've seen him get a lot of hate. I do actually like Vellis Jones, the player. I just don't like that he was drafted so high. They could have waited probably yeah. two or three more rounds to draft Valus Jones, but I do like the player himself. Um, oh, I've seen Bears fans comparing medieval Samuel already. I've seen
3: oh show. yeah, oh, that's my, my favorite.
0: God. Yikes! Too soon, too soon. So. I'm going to transition. This is kind of, this is kind of goes on to a couple of things we've talked about, especially with the defense. Um, One is asking the question of, will the Packers be a top five defense? Now, a lot of the things don't get lost in, in the context of this. So we aren't, we aren't sitting back and saying the Packers will be, the Packers will be, the Packers are gonna, the Packers are doing like, we're all saying if this happens, then they will be a top five defense. Jake was perfect with his third down and red zone. Uh, Simon mentioned the, the points per 100 yards, those types of things. If they improve in those areas, if Quay Walker is what they drafted him to be, if Darnell Savage takes a step forward, if the defense is healthy, then they will be a top five. We are not already inserting them into the top five, but if all of these factors, all of these conditions are met, I think the potential exists for the Packers to be top five, even top three on defense. When you consider the fact that they might have the best secondary in the NFL, they have a stable of good linebackers and an improved defensive line. Now, if all of these things come together, they can contribute to a top five defense. So that's... That's the thing, like I, like at the beginning of the show when I said when we do our recaps and our previews, we're going to talk about even if the Packers are an underdog in a game, we're going to talk about this is how they can win, not this is why they're going to win. We will have some games like that where the confidence will be higher, whether they're playing a less experienced opponent or an opponent Fair. who's just, yeah, like a, a team that's looking to improve or, you know, they're just looking to take steps forward and, the, you know, the Packers are heavy favorites. That's, you know, that's when we can have a, a conversation of the Packers are going to win, here's why. But we'll get into a lot of games where the games are more evenly matched, and we'll be talking about the Packers can win, here's how. It's going to be talking a lot about if these conditions are met, then the Packers are going to win. We're not just going to say the Packers are this. The Packers are this. They're going to be this. It's going to be more if, then. So that's my first one is asking about the Packers top five defense. My second thing is <laughs> I it makes me laugh every time I see this when people say that Rodgers is aging, washed up, or declining. The dude's won MVP twice in a row. Like where where is the decline um, here? Um <laughs> where where is he washed up? People compare him to Brady every fucking day, that's, but the fact that Brady is seven years older never comes up when people talk about Rodgers being old.
3: That's where I feel like he's just trolling. Like you're, you're, no it's cherry
0: way. picking. You're cherry picking when and where to compare them. So, Brady's, oh my god, Brady's so great, he's number one. Rodgers is aging and washed up. Rogers is seven years younger. Yeah, I, I, it, it blows my mind that people like can compare it in this but not in this, with the same players. It, it, it baffles me.
2: Yeah, LaFleur, and on Rodgers. Yeah, MVP. LaFleur would Loughlin definitely Loughlin. Like step back, but I don't. I don't think who wouldn't. Bad. Right, that's Aaron Rodgers. Well, look it's at not all the like fans
0: are saying that LaFleur is the second coming of Joel Lombardi. Oh yeah, um, no.
2: Of um, Vince, Vince Lombardi. Yeah,
0: I was talking By about the way. His son.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna make a comment. Tyler said we're not going to say the Packers are. Well, there'll be one day this year that we will say they are and it's going to say when, when they are the champs. February 13th, 2023, baby. That's <laughs> when we get to say what the Packers are and what they aren't. Cuz it got and that's when we'll say it. It's happening this year, man. It's got to happen. Rogers got to get number 2. I should have put that on my list. I was going to talk about Rogers' second Super Bowl, but I don't want to get all messy and yeah, talk about all the get, failures. Like
1: crazy into it. Like the reason I want it so bad for him is because after that, like there's no more conversation. He's number two, and Tom Brady's number one, and that's mm-hmm. it. yep. In my that's... in my mind, I mean, there'll always be a conversation for Peyton Manning or Joe Montana or whatever. But when you look right. at it, like. I can, You already, like, you look at Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, there's some studs coming up, but they got to do it for a lot longer. But Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback to ever play the game with this longevity.
0: That's the thing. Like, that's Tom the, the separation that I make is, yeah, that's the exact separation that I always make, that Brady's a more accomplished player. But if you're talking strictly, like, say you're going to go play a, a a pickup football game, like, I would take Aaron Rodgers on my team over Tom Brady because I believe he's a better football player than Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a winner. There's no doubt, and he's the most accomplished player. But there's a reason that Aaron Rodgers has more MVPs than Tom Brady does.
1: It's funny that people. It's funny because they're actually pretty, seems to be pretty good friends. So, but people just like always. They think they're like they're
3: like mortal enemies or something. Yeah,
1: like, right.
3: People, people always paint Rodgers as bitter in a negative light too. And I mean, I, I kind of understand a little bit, but I feel like. People just get brainwashed by what the media says and how mm-hmm. the media views him and stuff too, and they they don't look at anything outside of that
0: or seeing what Greg Jennings says on national TV about him. Yeah. It's like,
3: yeah,
0: pe- people will okay. take you know for this. That, these three players said bad things about him, but
3: not the ninety teammates yeah, that had gonna gonna For, for every for every Greg Jennings, there's thirty or forty
2: other players that say he's a great teammate, teammate right. great guy. Yeah, it, it just it, doesn't it doesn't add up for me. And James Jones is like the leader of that. Now mm-hmm. story time. My girlfriend's sister used to work at a restaurant when Rogers was young. And she met Rogers and she saw a little girl ask for his autograph. And Rogers said no. So ever since then, she's just like, Oh, well, Rogers is an asshole. A fame. I'm thinking like, Let me break How many this down athletes for you.
1: probably said no before.
2: Okay, listen, exactly. I said, Have you ever had a bad day? Has your bad day ever had an effect on your entire household? You didn't want to talk to anybody. You came home from work, you just needed five, five minutes by yourself. As an athlete, you have a bad day. You're getting you're getting screamed at by your coaches because you, you played bad, you know. And this was early Rogers, and he probably was horrible if I remember correctly. And you know he's getting picked on by Rogers and every, or by Favre, and everybody's just gunning down on him. Have you ever had a bad day and just need five minutes? And people are just in your face. There's thousands of people at every second. You there's always athletes taking a shit and getting asked for an autograph. Taking a shit. Are you kidding me? Like everybody just. <laughs> To stop with this Aaron Rodgers slander. You can have bad days. You could say no. I don't even bother athletes when I see them. Like I saw Jair Alexander and MVS at the mall in Appleton when they were rookies. I didn't even go up to them because I'm like, dude, I'm just gonna let them have their day and just just relax. Now looking at what Jair Alexander turned into, I probably should have got his autograph. But that's (laughs) I think all.
1: I've played Call of Duty with Agent Dillon, and I didn't, like, fangirl over him. I just talked to him. It was when he had COVID last year, I think it was. Mm. And I just asked him how he's feeling, and I left out that. Because you, like, they probably get this all the time. So you're I'm right. Kidding. And I think I just seen a picture of Aaron Rodgers taking a picture with some kid in a supermarket or something like yep, so and that. And the thing girl, is, yeah. I don't put it past crappy human beings to send their kid up to get an autograph that they can turn around and sell. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, I feel um, like environment matters, yeah, too. So, yeah. I agree. Right, so... And, and if he's told by his agency and stuff like AR, you don't know what contracts he has with different people for signatures. You don't know what endorsements he has for that. You don't know how much Panini is paying him for his, his you know, his autograph. You don't know how mm-hmm. much all of this. So you don't know all that goes into it. Maybe he doesn't want to say no, but he has to. And the best way he's gone about it is just saying, no, I'm sorry. And then he walks. You don't know all those intimate details. That, that's speculation. But what I'm like, your idea about a bad day, yeah. Like he gets, he probably gets every single place he goes, I guarantee you someone stops him. Unless it's yeah. like a public, like unless it's people on his level, which he's probably still stopped and talked to, or it's like a completely private event for himself and whatever weirdo he's dating. I, I would
0: say if you want to get more of a feel of how Rogers really is as a person is to watch the Pat McAfee show, honestly.
1: Yep, I love it. I can't that's wait. Where, for that's to where you get
0: more of a feel of, of where he is as an actual person. That's where he can actually be himself. He's not you know he's not representing anything when he's on. Or
1: just, or just go watch the OTA highlights every day or train train camp. You see him just shooting the crap with his players and teaching people, and you see him like giving hand directions. Like he's a down to earth like he like like he's a playful dude. They all mess around together and play and like. But I get nice, what you're bro. saying, Tyler. Yeah, like, I started doing this because
2: of Rogers.
0: This ties in perfectly to our philosophy. We can close out the show with this. As with anything else, when you're looking at a judgment like this. Increase the sample size of the amount of things that you're taking in. And unfortunately, this is something we hope to change, but the negative always speaks louder than the positive. So take in a bigger sample size of things about him, about everything. That's why we brought in Simon and Brian to the show, is to increase the amount of perspective that we have, to get more views on things, to get more perspective on things. And you can do that not only with your teams, with the Packers, you can do it with the Bucks, you can do it with the Brewers, and the thing is, and this is something we hope to be able to bring some um, some awareness to, is you can do it with your life. Just get some more perspective on things. Um, with that, I want to thank you guys for joining the show. And uh, we're going to kick it off. I want to thank everybody that tuned in and everybody that commented along. Um, looking forward to doing a lot more Packers shows like this. Probably do another one in a few weeks. And then we'll do one more before preseason starts. And then once Packers season starts, we're going to do them every Friday. So i um, looking forward to that. So I want to thank everybody that, that came on and for you guys in the comments and for Simon and Brian for joining us. Um, thank you, everybody.
2: Yep. Go back. Go, baby. Go back, go.
1: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears
4: grinding or a belt slipping.